Uh, can you just talk real quick? Okay, yeah. <clears throat> this is how I'll be talking for the stream. This is how. Perfect. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Chris DeJesus. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about you, Steve? Not too bad. Um, it's Wednesday. It's been a long week already, but uh, it's my favorite part of the week. Get to talk dodgeball. So uh, thanks for hopping on, man. Appreciate you being here. And um, real quick, you were on with Justin, feels like a lifetime ago, May, I think. Yeah, that that does feel like forever ago, but... Uh... I think it was called the Young Guns episode, and I know I was on with uh, Tyrell and Matt Levine, I believe. Yep. Yeah. So, um, no stranger to the podcast, but you know, I Justin has his way of interviewing, and I like to kind of just go into rabbit holes and, and dig into the weeds about the actual. Um, I don't want to say subject; that sounds weird, but want to get to know you a little bit more. Um, so, I guess we'll just kind of start from the beginning, um, and let's just start with, in case you know, people are tuning in for the first time. Um, Go ahead and reiterate your full name and the team that you currently play for. Okay. Uh, my name is Chris DeJesus. I play for Clutch Mode. Uh, a lot of people in the community call me Clutch Chris, so that might be another way people know me as. And I play for Clutch Mode, and that's based out of Delaware. So uh, I kind of changed the official name to Delaware Clutch Mode. Gotcha. And uh, what number are you and why? My number is 45, and I really like the number 45. That was the number I had in high school when I played football, and I really just like the number 45 when it comes to angles. The 45-degree angle is a really good uh, angle. You see it in math a lot, and so uh, I don't know why, but the number 45 just kind of stuck with me, and I've continued using it. Nice. Yeah, I mean, everybody has their, their reasons. Um, I think some people just say, oh, I just like this number. Um, sometimes it has a super awesome meaning and then I think yours is different. That's unique. Um, just like, I'm just thinking math, acute angles, that kind of stuff. Just kind yeah. of your thing, huh? That's cool. And, um, where, where in Delaware are you? I'm actually in Maryland now. So I'm oh, uh, okay. right outside of Fort Meade. Uh, I live in a town called Odenton, uh, but I'm from Dover, Delaware. That's right in the center. It's the capital. Um, and that's where I grew up most of my life until I went to college. Uh, in Baltimore County, and then now I just live in Maryland, just where I've continued to live since I graduated. Gotcha. And did I hear you correctly? Did you say so? It's it's Delaware Clutch Mode now. Yes, it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, is it just because that's where the team is from? Even though you you don't live there anymore, or any any reason for that? Yeah. So you know, most of the team, if not all of us, are from Delaware. We grew up there. We started playing dodgeball there, and we played there for. Well, now it's probably been about 10 years since we've been playing there, some a little bit longer. And so when we put this team together, uh, we figured, you know, why not make it like an official sports team? And uh, I decided to make it Delaware Clutch Mode that we represent an area, an area that we all know very well and that we've continued playing. Even though I live in Maryland now, most of the guys still live in Delaware and I'm one state over, so the travel isn't too far. So I thought it was the right thing to do. That's cool. It's kind of like the uh, the team started there. It stays there. It's uh, almost like, a, for lack of a better words, like an established team. Because um, I think that's one of the issues that, not not so much that I have, but it's um, like these teams kind of, 
like three or four people live in one area, um, not in the same city necessarily, or even the same state, but they just have like, they, the team tends to follow a couple of players. Um, I think maybe like with the exception of rise, like they're pretty much all San Diego, but even now they're starting to import people, but they're still from San Diego. If that makes any sense. Um, yeah, no, that's cool. I think, um, <clears throat> yeah, one day as we get further and further into the sport, we'll see more of that where it's like the Phoenix team or the LA team or, um, what have you. So that's, that's a cool move, man. I like that. Yeah. And I think it's just cool to kind of represent where you're from. Uh, that's, where we played dodgeball for so long. And I feel like we uh, made so much talent there, like, and we brought up so many players. So why not showcase the talent that we kind of brought together over the years and uh, kind of keep that going. So uh, the plan is, you know, as long as clutch mode keeps going to keep it um, mostly Delaware players, maybe, you know, one or two guys or, you know, a couple, like a few guys might be from somewhere else, but the the plan is, you know, to keep it mostly the, the crew of that, those main guys that we've been playing together for years. And we've already seen uh, two different kind of Delaware teams on Clutch Mode. Uh, the team that was original Clutch Mode was all from Delaware, and the team that's Clutch Mode now is also from Delaware, but it's a different set of players. So uh, it's kind of cool to have kind of like that rotation of different talent from Delaware being able to play together and show, you know, what kind of we bring to the table. Because I know people talk about, um, you know, Michigan having a lot of talent and, you know, California obviously having a lot of talent and maybe Arizona having talent, but – you know, I want to show, you know, Delaware also has some talent out there that would like to play together and show what we have. Nice. So uh, Clutch Mode is your nickname, right? Clutch Chris. Uh, Clutch Chris. Clutch Chris is my nickname. The team I call Clutch Mode, yeah. Gotcha. Um, did that come because of dodgeball or back in your, like, high school football days? Or can you kind of tell me a little bit about the, the nickname? Okay. Yeah. So Clutch Chris, um, I guess my cousin used to, you know, say it, like, when we used to play dodgeball, uh, you know, I'd make a play or a couple plays and do like back to back, you know, cool catches or something like that. And so he would just be like, oh, that was clutch or, you know, people would just be like, oh, that was a clutch play. So, you know, I figured my name starts with, a, you know, the same sound. So why not ring it together? Clutch Chris. And then my name starts with a K. So I just made the clutch into a K instead of a, a C. And uh, I guess clutch mode is more like a state of mind or like a um in action or when you do something, you know, I kind of feel like if you make a clutch play, a clutch play, you kind of activate it clutch mode, you know, right. that type of thing. So I feel like it's a, you know, state of mind, kind of like beast mode for football. I feel like clutch mode is, you know, kind of off of that a little bit. For sure. No, I've definitely seen it, man. I've seen you. I think the first clip I ever saw of you was a double catch um, as you're going out of bounds. And I was like, okay. And I think I even made the comment too, like season, season two of the podcast, like, man, people are just doing double catches. Like it's nothing now. Um, and I think I cited you or just the clip. And, um, I mean, that was a couple years ago. So you've had a lot more significant plays since then. So that's cool. And, um, yeah. And but, the thing about that is I'd actually like you to go back and rewatch it because I didn't go out of bounds on that play. Everyone thinks I went out of bounds, but if you look at the lines on the court, I actually kept my whole body in bounds. No part of me touched out and it wouldn't have mattered in, um, you know, elite because we can fall out. But even right. if it was another ball style, I still would have been considered in because I, I did not go out on. Um, I'm not sure about either one, but I know the first one that I did, uh, no part of me actually went out of bounds, which That's is crazy. pretty cool. Huh. I'll have to rewatch that then and, and backtrack that. That's cool, though. Um, You're not the only one who said that, though. I, I feel like that's the common thing because there were multiple <clears> lines <throat> on that court, but I actually didn't go out if you watch it again. So I, I, it's not just you. I feel like that's, you know, the general 
when people viewed it, they're like, oh, I fell out of bounds. But like, it actually, that's not even what happened. Yeah, no, that's cool. You get to clear that up. Um, Cause like usually that motion of falling back um, and I'm, I'm thinking of um, Joe Coelho, he's notorious for this. Um, he'll catch a ball and he'll just timber his way off the court. And I think just seeing that motion of you rocking back and maybe seeing some of the lines you just assume, but to, to do the double catch like that and stay in bounds, that's a lot of control, man. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, I want to go back to, to what got you into dodgeball too. So sounds like you guys have been playing for, for a bit. Um, do you remember when you first started playing? Yeah, actually, uh, my freshman year in high school, um, I had heard about it in middle school uh, leading up to that point. I always wanted to, but I was always busy or, you know, I just never had the full on like, you know, time and just to go out and join the the people that were playing every Friday. And then when I got to high school, there was a kid in my class. Um, he told me about it again. And I was like, you know what? I think I really need to go to this because more and more people seem to be going. And so I went one day and, you know, I went that one Friday and I feel like I went every single Friday I could for the next, you know, four years until I graduated high school, you know, unless I had like a football game on Friday night. That was like the only time where I did not go to dodgeballs if I had like a varsity football game that I was playing in. Uh, and the funny thing is, you know, as a, you know, varsity football player, all conference and all that, I would be on the sideline, you know, sometimes. And I'd be like, man, I wish I was at dodgeball right now. And I'd be like in the middle of a varsity game, you know, playing, and the funny thing is like dodgeball would be in my mind like dang man i wonder <laughs> after this game ends if i'll be able to make it and i'm like now nah, this game will end at nine it's gonna be over but i just think that it's funny to kind of think back i remember being like dang i wish i could have went to dodgeball tonight like in the middle of a game <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of a conventional sports game where yeah that's cool man um you reminded me of when we when we did tucson dodgeball back in the day um we would have a group of um i think they were probably jv or freshman high school players playing dodgeball with us and it um they were skipping practice to play dodgeball. Like their coaches told them no more freaking dodgeball. A you're skipping practice and B you might get hurt. And, uh, I just thought it was wild. Like that was a good, like, like morale win for dodgeball. Like, yeah, we got people that are playing normal sports that want to, you know, come to the dark side, which is, which is awesome. Sucks that they couldn't play. Cause like they, they, they loved it. They, they got into it. And, um, it's cool to see that kind of, um, like echoed and reverberated um across across the coast um yeah what who was who was doing dodgeball at this time um and i'm again back sorry my memory is terrible this was still in maryland when this was going on or this was in the when i was playing dodgeball uh when we first started yeah yeah this was in delaware so delaware. we played okay. um in dover delaware at this church um there oh, was an older gentleman who was a member of the church and he wanted to bring more kids um you know, into the church to kind of like, you know, learn about, you know, Jesus and, you know, it was a Christian <clears> church. And so one way that he did was he started doing dodgeballs on Friday, dodgeball practice on Friday nights. And a bunch of kids from the high school and middle school were all just, you know, showing up. And I guess for like every three hours that we were there, we'd have like a 30 minute halftime where he kind of preached a sermon to us. So, you know, it was in one, it was more for the church, but all of us, you know, started going and I don't think he expected it to be as big as it was. We had like 50 kids showing up for this small church gym and we were all crowded up in there every single Friday. And uh, I guess it was win-win because he had more people he could preach to. And for us, it was more people playing dodgeball, you know? Yeah. Everybody got something out of it. <laughs> yeah. That's funny because, um, I mean, we, we played out of a church. We ended up renting it just cause it was really cheap. Um, one of our players, uh, had a, had a connection, but when you talk to people like Alan, Justin Pyan, Eric Jones, um, 
lot of people just somehow for some reason church plus dodgeball uh worked so i, I kind of want to do like a like a low-key survey of just like who who started playing dodgeball whoever played dodgeball in a church like that just seems to be one of the staples uh when people first get their start um <clears throat> real quick jeremy bizzle i think he's with us he says uh chris is the goat so <laughs> thanks jeremy yeah that was a good emoji oh, uh- I wanted to add something about, um, you know, where we started, though. I just thought about it. Uh, so Mr. Z is the the gentleman who started, you know, us playing there. He started running it every week. And um, I guess based off of that, there was a team in, from Delaware called the Z Warriors. So we had Clutch Mode and Z Warriors from Delaware. Uh, the Z Warriors were that other Delaware team, and they kind of joined in with Clutch Mode last year. We became one team. Um, and so if you look at the current Clutch Mode jersey or last year's Clutch Mode jersey, there's a Z in it, like right across the chest, right behind okay. the KM for clutch mode. That Z is uh, for Z Warriors, but it's also kind of um, like a like a stamp for Mr. Z because we would have never been able to play dodgeball without Mr. Z starting that, you know, the church open gym. And we would have never known about dodgeball if it weren't for him. So it kind of had two purposes was the Z for Z Warriors and the Z for Mr. Z. That's cool, man. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this is most likely going to be a video episode too. I'm, I'm getting a little bit better on editing. Um, as you can see with the green screen kind of makes life a lot easier. So hopefully we'll yeah. able to see that, that Z reference for those that want to give it a couple of days until this is on YouTube. But, um, yeah. no, I love that dude. I love when there's, there's jerseys that they're not, they're not super intricate, but they've got little like, like Easter eggs, I guess that just kind of yeah. have that like legacy or <clears throat> that history for, for that team. Mm-hmm. Um, was this your first experience with dodgeball in freshman year? Or had have you had you played it before, like in elementary school or? Uh, yeah. So, again, on Fridays when I was um probably second or third grade, I did taekwondo, and so every Friday, if we had a good week, you know, people weren't acting up and we were learning really well, our um, instructor would let us play dodgeball on Fridays, and so we all were made sure we were super good all week, so he would not take away dodgeball on Fridays, and that was like me as a kid, and I loved it, you know. I felt like I was really good at it. And I was like, man, this is super fun. But, you know, between that gap and I guess seventh grade, uh, there was a dodgeball tournament at my middle school that I made a team for. And uh, that was also another time where I played dodgeball. And that was just, you know, a school tournament. I thought it was really fun. Um, I made some cool plays there. And, uh, you know, it was something I was like, dang, I wish there was more dodgeball. And it wasn't until a couple years later when I found out that they were playing every week at that church what uh what was it that that got you like what'd you like about it so much if you can remember i don't know man it just it was just extremely fun to be able to just go out and you know be dodging you know the balls coming at you and then being able to throw it back at someone else but also like the um i feel like the oohs and ahs it made when um people were making plays like I remember there was, you know, people at the church who had, who were a little bit older than I was since I was in ninth grade. They were like seniors in high school and they seemed like, oh my God, these dudes are really good. <laughs> and they were make plays and everybody would just be like screaming at the top of their lungs like, oh my God, I can't believe he just did that. And so I was like, man, I want to be able to do that. And really fast, I was able to start making plays like that. And I was like, yeah, this is really cool. Like not even just me making plays, but seeing other people make crazy plays. It was just, you know, really hype. Uh, positive atmosphere. Everybody was there going crazy, whether they were the one who threw the catch or not. Like there would be times where I threw a catch and someone would catch the ball and do something crazy. And you're like, Oh my God, that was sick. Like there were no hard feelings. You just threw a catch, but 
watching the person make the catch was like pretty cool. Like, dang, how'd they just do that? So it was just like constantly like people making amazing plays. And I think because it was like 25 versus 25, you know, you were seeing cool plays like every few seconds. Yeah. And I mean, to this day, like that, that'll still happen. I mean, obviously not today, today, but you know, people that play dodgeball, they always get a reaction, especially if you have a uh, spectators that aren't used to seeing like elite level dodgeball. Yeah. Um, that especially. And I've seen some like YouTubers react to, um, I think like the, the Vince March banks play where they're just like, Oh my God. And you know, it's like losing their minds. Um, and it, that still happens though. I used to do, um, frat tournaments, which was horrible, horrible experience. Um, if you want to have a horrible tournament, try refing for 120 frat boy teams hosted by a sorority, but they would do like, the... Oh, that's my, that's, that's what I do. You, you host that's that my, stuff? That's, or... that's my career. I literally work in uh, campus recreation at colleges, oh, and man. so and so I, I was a ref for sports, and I got to see frats basically do, um, you know, basketball, football, flag football. It gets really bad, and I, I you know for dodgeball it's the same thing. So oh, I man. definitely relate to you on that. Those games are the worst to ref. <laughs> yeah, we we would do one a year, and and that was just I don't even know why I would do it. I'm just like it's not even worth whatever it is we're getting for this. Um, but you people would do like something so simple, like anybody would do naturally an elite like a simple catch but these kids are like oh my god oh, it's the matrix like, they just like lose their minds and um <laughs> you you'd think with as as um entertaining as dodgeball could be it would have a better traction and maybe we can talk about that later on but um i just love how the stuff that impressed us as kids still at least for me impresses me now as an adult you know 37 year old man playing dodgeball um still have those plays are just like, I'm not even mad at that. Like that was really cool. That was a great catch. And, um, I just feel like dodgeball has yet to lose that excitement. Um, <clears throat> I what? agree. I, I remember, um, just last season, uh, we had a, it was round two versus bloom and, um, I was the last one in and they threw all the balls at me and miss. I picked up a ball and I sprinted full speed to the line and I, I ripped my whole heart and soul into this ball. And I was like, I'm about to crush this dude. And he dropped to his knees and fell back and uh, somehow like pinned it against his face and caught it. And I stood there. I wasn't even mad or nothing. I just, you know, it was just more just in my head, like, dang, like he just really did that. Like that was just an amazing play. Like after the game, I was just like, dude, I don't even know how he did that. Like, I just don't understand. Like, I mean, it was a nice catch. Like it wasn't luck. He, he caught it. It was just impressive just to see. And like, that's me being the person throwing the ball at the person and being impressed. Like, I know a lot of players, you know, get angry, but sometimes you just got to be amazed that someone just made that, that play like that. So, yeah, no, I totally understand that. Like, man, I really wanted to get you out, but also good catch. I'm not really that mad. Um, <laughs> what, um, so you mentioned football, Taekwondo. Um, did you participate in any of the sports or martial arts, um, growing up? So growing up, uh, you know, I, I did bowling. I competed in a couple of bowling leagues, um, and Taekwondo. Those were like the things that I did kind of for fun. Uh, the sports that I took seriously were football, basketball, um, lacrosse, and track and field. Uh, for football, I, I was a two-time, you know, all-conference football player. I played defensive end and, um, you know, I really loved playing football. I wanted to play in college up until the point where I got hurt and I was just like, I don't know if I want to play anymore. I started seeing concussion reports and stuff like that and it just wasn't, you know, what I wanted to do anymore. Um, but yeah, lacrosse too, you know, that was another game. I was able to start in the state championship game for Delaware for lacrosse. Um, and then I really enjoyed playing basketball, played on the team for a few years. 
And then um, the last sport I did was track and field where I did shot put and, you know, I was able to get top 10 in the state in the shot put. And I only did that for a year. So um, I just really enjoyed trying new sports. And, you know, if a coach was like, Hey, you should play this sport. I was like, you know what, let me try it. And so I would just go out and, you know, try different sports and stuff like that. Nice. So, I mean, you've, you've played a lot of sports prior to, to dodgeball and do you still play anything else right now? Or is dodgeball your main right now, again, being, assuming things are normal. Uh, so dodgeball would be like the main thing that I play and I practice on the side, but, um, at the college, you know, when I was working at, you know, my last college, I played every intramural sport I could. So intramural basketball, intramural floor hockey, intramural flag football, down the line so uh, i plan on that being the same way at the the new place i work at um if the times work out that you know i'm still playing uh intramural basketball intramural flag football and you know the sports that you know really seem interesting to try out nice so i mean again just kind of going through the main ones football taekwondo basketball lacrosse shot put um are there any one of these in particular that you think helped you with dodgeball all the above i mean it's quite a, quite a big list of just all these things can encompass into your play style. So do you think anyone uh, helped over the other or just sports in general? I'd say football with the throwing, because um, I remember like every day, you know, I feel like kids anymore. Kids nowadays don't go outside as much as they used to. I could be wrong, but just by, you know, watching I, I think my little right. brother in the neighborhood, my little brother's like the only kid I see play outside. Um, but I, we would go outside every day and throw the football. We'd be, you know, start close and kind of, I didn't even know it was called long toss, but we'd eventually like start backing up further and further. And we're just ripping the ball like 40 yards to each other. Um, I didn't realize how much of an effect it would have on me, but it actually helped me a lot for dodgeball. Cause um, I'd say I have a, you know, pretty hard throw. And so I believe that football throwing that ball every day really helped with that. Um, and just basketball and lacrosse in general, uh, just with athleticism and being able to move. Um, I feel like those ones, you know, taught me some moves to be able to, move side to side and use some agility and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, obviously in lacrosse, uh, being able to shoot it really hard. Uh, some of that is similar to a throwing motion. It's just that you're hold, holding a stick in your hand, but you're really stepping into it and driving through it the same way you would throwing a ball. Uh, so I feel like lacrosse and football maybe the most, but even if you think about shot put, it's a different type of throw, but I still help feel like that helped with my throwing muscles and like my shoulder muscle being able to, you know, toss the shot put pretty far. I feel like that was also something that could transfer into throwing a ball. Yeah, definitely. Plus, I mean, you, it's you're utilizing, uh, you know, your 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 body. I mean, just that mo- momentum, and that motion that you're doing mm-hmm. gives you like I don't know if it's even a thing, but that like that physical IQ, like okay, your body's coordinated. You know, you you're not doing this for the first time. You have the mechanics yeah, there. Exactly. Um, what about Taekwondo? I mean, that's what like 80% kicking, but, uh, do you think the martial arts aspect helped at all with like focus or attitude or concentration? I do think, uh, balance being able to, you know, hit some of those moves and, and be able to balance them and then remembering, um, you know, staying on form, you know, we had to do form train form testing and, you know, they wanted to make sure our timing and everything was, you know, perfect. We had to stay in unison with the other people who were also doing the same form as you were. So I think working with a team that helped a lot, like kind of staying in unison. Um, but also a lot of the movements are just dynamic movements, like all the different kicks and hit punches and stuff like that. Those are all dynamic movements. And I feel like um, 
all that kind of, especially doing it young, just kind of helped develop my athleticism, my balance and, and stuff like that. So yeah, for I'm sure. not going to say that didn't help. It definitely helped in some way. Yeah. My parents made me do a uh, Kempo karate as a kid and I hated every minute of it, but like it really <laughs> helped generate that awareness of, you know, left foot goes here, right arm does this, hips do this. Um, I learned at a really long, young age to just be aware of what my body's doing at all times. And, uh, um, exactly. if I ever have kids, I'm, I'm making them do it too. So, um, <clears throat> going on to, uh, yeah, I guess like post high school when you started competing, did you ever play for like the NCDA or the NDL or was like elite your first entry into the competitive scene or UDC? Uh, so it was NCDA. And, um, uh, <clears throat> when I went to my college, um, I love dodgeball so much in high school. And I told you, you know, every Friday, literally every Friday I could, I was there. Um, and when I went to college, I was actually kind of scared. I was like, man, like, how am I going to go without playing dodgeball, you know, without going home like every week, which I couldn't do. I didn't even have a car. So like the first thing I thought when I got there was, you know, how do I start a team here or how do I start, you know, open gym or anything like that. So like, it was like the first day of college orientation and all that. And I went up to one of the uh, student activities directors and I was like, Hey, I want to start a dodgeball club. Like how, how do I do that? And they were like, Oh, you're ambitious. You know, this is the first day of school. And I was nice. just like, look, you know, it's something that I love. And I think other students here would like it. And so, you know, from that day on, I was in contact with them and I was able to start a club pretty fast in my college. And, um, you know, the first meeting probably had like, you know, 50 something people there. They were really excited about it. And so we were just playing against each other pretty much weekly. Um, and then, you know, I was like, you know, some of us are good enough to compete against other schools. I wonder if there's like a league out there for colleges. And so I started looking up college dodgeball and I found the NCDA. And I got in contact with the NCDA and they put me in contact with um, the rep from Towson, Sean Smith. Uh, some people might know him. Um, and they put me in contact with him and Towson's only 20 minutes away. He came right over to Stevenson like within a week and was like, here, you're coming to Towson with us. We're going to show you what NCDA is like. And I went to their practice and it was amazing just being able to play like on that big court with all those people and, you know, learning pinch. And then being able to take that back to my school and being like, hey, guys, there's a league that we can compete in. And, you know, a lot of the guys were super excited to go compete against other colleges. Uh, so that's really how I got into it was I started a school or started a practice there. And then, you know, I found someone at another college and, you know, got collaborating with them. And then all of a sudden we were competing in the NCDA. <laughs> that's awesome, man. So it sounds like you've got some uh, some leadership experience going on. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little little dig on on myself and Justin, but I, <laughs> there's a, there's a question that we can get into that too because I, I definitely want to revisit that. But um, that's awesome, man. So you got to you got to see what life on the outside looks like, you know, outside your little sphere, connected with the yeah. NCDA. Uh, was it Ta Towson? How do you spell it? Towson is T O W S O N. S O N Towson. Okay, cool. So uh, yeah, yeah being able to play with Towson was really cool. I was gonna say I don't we don't have too many regrets with the uh, with my dodgeball experience. I just wish we had the NCDA in Arizona because uh, we were ecstatic when we found out that people in in Phoenix played, and then when we found out people in LA played, we we're just like, oh my god, there's there's a whole world out there. So yeah, um, we I would see I've, I've been kind of following the NCDA since like 2006, and I'd see like these massive teams, and I'd see them on like. Um, like Fox Sports Network, I think, like probably like, you know, 1 a.m., you know, they're not really yeah. drawing huge crowds, but they, they had such a good setup. I'm just like, man, why can't the NDL get on their level? And to this day, like they're still 
so massive. Again, um, we're kind of pretending COVID doesn't exist. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to see them spread throughout the rest of the U.S. And <clears throat> huge, uh, huge kudos to to Hunter Ford and all them that are that are trying to make this happen and everyone passed. But um, so you got to NCDA for a little bit. Um, had you been playing pinch prior to, or was that your first like experience pinching? Uh, so some of the guys at the church that we played at in high school were pinching and stuff like that, but I never got into pinching foam really. I just you know threw it open handed and, and you know I figured I was good enough at that. I didn't need to learn how to pinch but then in the ncda you kind of need to know how to pinch in order to survive there the throwing lines are so far that you got to be able to throw it from far away and the only way you can do that with those rubber balls is pinching them if you want to be effective right um so i learned pinch and um, i feel like i was trying to teach my teammates how to do it too we didn't even have facilities we were playing on a racquetball court trying to practice for ncda games but you know we didn't have really facilities at my college so we made it work i was like guys we're going to play in here and we're going to make it work and we're just going to have to learn on the fly when we get out on the big court. And so <laughs> we were just in that small racquetball court throwing pinch at each other from oh, like Jesus. 20 feet away from each other. It was it was insane. And of course, um, you know, only a couple of my teammates wanted to go up against me in the in the room because I was throwing full speed in there. And some of them didn't even know how to pinch yet. So uh, once they learned, they were more willing to play because they were like, all right, I can fire back at them now. So it was we were playing really close, pinching like from 20 feet away from each other. It was it was pretty intense. Yeah, we did that um, before the end because my my competitive start was the NDL in 2005, and we were getting ready to play, and we would do a racquetball uh, style. That was 2005, though, man. Like we we weren't playing against anybody that's had experience before, and my little 120 pound body wasn't whipping these things too crazily. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I understand the dimensions of a racquetball court. You guys are brave as heck, and uh, yeah, no thanks, man. I'm not getting in there with you with you with you pinching. <laughs> that's insane. Um, so NCDA, um, did you guys do any UDC or anything prior to Elite? Um, no. So we played NCDA for a couple of years. Our school is a really small school, so our team would, wouldn't be at a lot of tournaments. But whenever we can scoop up, you know, you know, there were so many players on the court. Whenever we can scoop up 12 to 15 players, we were trying to see what tournaments in the NCDA we could go to. Right. Um, but from there, actually, I was scared that I wasn't going to be able to play dodgeball after I graduated. It was get I was in my senior year, and I was like, dang, like, is dodgeball about to be over? Like, you know, I'm about to graduate, and I don't know, you know, where dodgeball is. And um, I guess I don't know if you're ready for me to go into it, but I, that's when I kind of found out about Elite. Yeah, if you want to – that's kind of where, I'm, where I was headed. So um, around – what time frame was this, like 20 – 2017 it was my senior year of um of of grad of not grad school but undergrad and um it was like 2017 it was like february and i was like really i was telling my girlfriend and everything i was like dude i don't even know like i don't know how i'm gonna be able to you know go on without playing dodgeball you know i still got a lot of juice in me and i want to play and i i can't play ncda unless i go to grad school i don't even know where dodgeball is and that's when one of my guys from delaware um Tim Bethard, he hit me up and was like, dude, um, we played at this paper factory tournament that Kyle Roth ran. And um, we just randomly heard about it and we all went. And I think they invited me to go too, but I was busy that week weekend, so I couldn't go. But they all came back from that and were like, dude, they, he Kyle Roth told us about Elite and uh, we want to try to start like two teams from the church. Um, and I was like, dude, I've been trying to figure out anything about competitive dodgeball. I'm glad you guys hit me up because I was literally just thinking about it. And so I was like, all right, well, they're probably going to start their team. You know, TJ, 
Jefferson's one of my current teammates, but at the time he started kind of his own team from the church. And so I told Tim, I was like, you know what, me, you and Will, uh, Will Beathard, their brothers, we were like, well, we're going to start our own team from the church and we'll just have two teams from Delaware uh, competing. And that's literally how it went. I was like, I was trying to think of a name and, you know, I did some graphic design work. So I was like, I was trying to think of a name and a logo and I just started putting stuff together and Clutchmo kind of, you know, sat with us and we were like, you know what, let's go with that. And we liked the logo. And so we uh, reached out to Mark. I reached out to Mark and I was like, I want to put a team in the elite. Let me know how to do this. And he was just like, you know, well, here, this is how you do it. This is what you got to send me and we'll invite you to the next tournament. So elite round one of 2017 was probably April. And that was when we got our start in the elite dodgeball. Nice. So what would, uh, what'd you think of it? I mean, <clears throat> going from like your local version of dodgeball to the NCDA to elite now, um, do you remember what your first impression was? Like how you felt about it? Well, I remember knowing, like, I felt really good in the NCDA, you know, I was on the MVP watch list for the, MV- for the NCDA. And, um, you know, I feel like I carried an undermanned team into like some, uh, really high games against rank, highly ranked teams. And we did well. And so I was like, all right, elite, this elite thing's going to be easy. You know, I'm just going to come in and I'm going to be getting out like four players and, you know, we're going to win some games. And it was like the complete opposite. <laughs> the courts were small, <laughs> you know, there was no pinching. It was just like very different. And while I was able to hold my own and like, I was, you know, I feel like I played pretty well, you know, it was not enough to get wins. I don't think we want to, we, I don't think we won a single game in round Robin. We might've won a point, but we didn't win a single game. I think we went 0 and 10. So that's basically how that went. You know, I was thinking I'm going to walk in and, you know, at least get like a 500 record. And it wasn't even close to that. We didn't win a single game. To be fair, I'm pretty sure that's like everyone's expectations prior to actually entering an elite tournament. They just think they're going to walk in steamroll everybody. And most of the time it doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. What were your thoughts uh, though? Like, Oh, go ahead. Oh, so no, I was going to say my thoughts on like the, the teams and stuff there. I was like, you know, I saw shooters walk in and I was like, every person on their team is six foot three minimum. <laughs> like what? the? And they were all ripping it hella hard. And I'm like, bro, these dudes brothers, like what the world? And then of course they are brothers. They got, you know, the leches and they had, um, um, Mikey and, you know, they just, I was like, these guys are huge and they're throwing the ball extremely hard. What the world? I don't think we got to face them in the bracket though. But then I saw a team awesome and I went crazy like on the inside and I even went up to a couple of their players because uh, I did happen to watch some UDC when I was in college. And I, I remember seeing them on ESPN and on the advertisement and stuff like that. And while I never, you know, attempted to do UDC to that point, cause I just didn't know how, like how the qualifications worked and all that. I remember seeing them on TV and I was like, yo, no, this is the guy right here. I was like, this is Brendan Wolgamouth and this is, you know, the Giovinkos, what the world, like I was going oh, crazy cool. on the inside. And I remember telling my teams, I was like, yo, that's them. Like, and I remember I go, I went up to one of them and I was like, oh my God, this is so cool playing against you guys. Like I saw you guys on TV and it was kind of like unreal to see them like in real life. I was like, dang, I'm really in a tournament with these guys. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm envious that you had that uh, perspective just because like, I, again, I, I, I'm not trying to make this like mostly about me in any means, but just the difference in perspectives, um, like I've known the Giovinco since 2012, I think seeing him flying around all over the place. They already made a name for himself from team awesome, but you know, I've seen him from tournaments for you to see them on TV first. Like that's a huge win for dodgeball. I think that a lot of people that we just don't understand or, or give credit to like, 
That's yeah. Cool, I remember. Man. I remember. I went home and I uh, told my girlfriend. I was like, "Oh my god! Like those guys were on UDC on the TV <laughs> on cool. ESPN. Like, where I got to play against them. Like, I got to see them. Like, and I was kind of like fanboying. Like, oh my god! Like, it was just amazing to be able to do that. It felt like unreal. And she was probably looking at me like, "Okay, like she doesn't understand how big <laughs> like that was for me at the time." <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, so you showed up to your first elite, didn't do as, as great as you thought. Um, I mean, the answer is kind of obvious, but I mean, wh- why did you want to come back? Like, why didn't that scare you away? Oh, because I I already knew before that, that I loved dodgeball. You know, I was willing to go to my college and start a, start a club there. Like first day, like I didn't even know what college was. And first day on campus, I was trying to get a club started for dodgeball. And then, you know, join the NCDA like as soon as I could. Like I was... I wanted to play dodgeball. I didn't know how big dodgeball was at the time, where I could be playing at, but I just knew I wanted to play. And so nothing was really going to stop me at that point. And once I saw like how good those players were, I was like, yo, see, this is what I want to work towards. Now I know that there's players out there who are better than me, or, you know, I feel like I can be as good as them. So I was like, I just need to get better. I need my team to get better. And so like, I was taking mental notes and I was telling my teammates, I was like, look, we're going to come back to the next tournament. And we're not going to, you know, lose every single game. We're going to get at least a couple wins, you know. And from that point, like, it kind of – every tournament, we kind of gradually progress. Like, instead of getting, like, two wins, we were like, all right, we're going to try to get a 500 record. And then from there on, like, I feel like we just got better and better. Like, if you look from our first season to our second season and now, it's like, constant improvement, uh, constant looking for ways to change and learn from other teams and stuff like that. And even roster changes, what roster are we going to bring to tournaments? um to compete and so it just it was like a whole new world for me and me already having the brain of like loving dodgeball seeing that there was other people who love dodgeball as much as me or even more than me or you know had already put in years of work when i'm like only like third year in you know competing i'm like oh yeah this is definitely something i could get into and try to get better at i didn't even knew i needed to get better but i learned soon like getting better was a must and it's something that i wanted to do like i wanted to be the best player and I wanted to go to tournaments and have the best team and my teammates wanted to be the best teammates. And so like that was what kept us, you know, playing and while we're still here. That's awesome. It's, it's almost like, uh, like you had that fear of like, Oh man, like, I don't know if I can play do- uh, call, uh, dodgeball after high school and then boom college. And then now I don't know if I can play dodgeball after college and now boom elite dodgeball. So you just like had that continuous stream of like, okay, man, I've got like several years to, to keep going. Yeah. I feel like an anime character, you know how like in their fights, their fights are so crazy. And you're like, Oh my God, how did he beat that? Uh, like dragon ball Z, like you're like, dang, how did he beat that character? And then like, he moves on to like the next series and you're like, dang, this character is even stronger than the first one. And like, it's just crazy to see like the progression. That's kind of what I felt like is like, dang, every time I thought, that level was it and like you know my career was over it was like dang oh here's something else that's even bigger and better and like just moving down the line and so I feel like the next progression for me is you know trying to make you know work my hardest to get invited back to Team USA like the combine and hopefully competing at an international level you know that's the next step if you think about it in steps you know start out local then NCDA then elite and so now I'm just trying to you know play international and stuff like that so there's always that constant, like trying to get better and trying to progress and play against better players. And I need to be better in order to play against better players. So it's just that constant. Yeah. So that ceiling cycle. keeps raising the yeah. stakes keep, keep raising. Um, have you ever seen a ice shield 21 by chance? Oh, what have you ever seen the, the anime ice shield 21? No, I haven't. 
Um, I don't know if you if you're a fan of like sports animes, um, but this one's about football, and it's actually I mean, it's a long series. I don't I don't really go for anything that's past 24 episodes, but this one's about <laughs> 120, and it's like that. Um, Ice Shield 21's a quarterback. Um, he's he's a really fast runner. They put him on this like crappy high school team, and same thing. Like every like 10 episodes is one football game and it's like a super dramatic anime battle, but it's around football. So it's kind of fun. Um, if you ever had time, um, you should give it a shot. Um, cause it's exactly what you said. Like, you're like, how, how are they going to beat this team? And then they move on to the next echelon and you're like, wow. Okay. Well, this just keeps going. <laughs> That's exactly it. <clears throat> yeah. Some of those, uh, if only the, if only they did one for dodgeball, that'd be fantastic. Oh man. Um, Anime tangent aside, uh, so I mean, you got to play NCDA, um, Elite. Um, do you have a style that's your favorite between the two? Hmm, that's that's really hard because I I just flat out enjoy dodgeball. Like, I really enjoy playing any dodgeball. You know, I I I guess like eight point five maybe. I really like playing eight point five, like um, whether that's pinch or open, um, and. But at the same time, I really like no sting, you know, and UDC style. That was really fun. And I actually really miss UDC, even though I feel like I miss it so much because I just had gotten into it. And a lot of these players have been in UDC for years. And, you know, I just started getting like into it and getting used to trampolines. And it was like, bam, no more UDC. So now I always got that constant thought of like, dang, I wish I would have found out about UDC sooner. Um, So, you know, I really enjoy no sting. Um, I grew up playing with the eight inch foam balls. rhino skin or something like that uh those no gator skin is what it was it was gator skin yeah i remember those eight inch gator skins yep those are the ones i grew up on and so i really enjoyed playing with those and now i got like um, one of the seven inch foam balls i've been practicing with that a lot so i feel like all dodgeball is fun to me like i'd play cloth if cloth was near me you know (laughs) at this point like i don't have like i'd say a favorite they all they each have different reasons why they are my favorite. Like the NCDA, it's those big courts. It's that twelve on twelve or fifteen on fifteen, what it used to be. Like that big team style and those big courts chasing people down. It's just it, that's what I enjoyed about that. With eight point five, I enjoy like those close encounters and you're rocking people with that big classic eight point five ball and you're right up on top of each other and, and catching's a big part of it. And then it's like no sting, you know, you get to put a little bit of movement on the ball and, and so it's interesting to see that. And so just like, I feel like every ball type, you're just trying to learn like, you know, what, what works in this ball type and what doesn't work in this ball type. And that's why I really think I just enjoy any ball type. I'm not going to claim one as my favorite, but I'll say each of them have different reasons why I like them more than the other, you know? Nice. Yeah. I won't press you for, for a ranking, <clears throat> but, um, that's cool, man. Um, if I, if I gave you a ranking, you know how pe- people would get so upset. Oh, I yeah. couldn't even do it. I- <laughs> <laughs> I just I just want to hear at the end of the day that cloth is terrible, but I mean I'll respect you as a player. And she's like, hey, if you like cloth, then that that's fair because it's at the end of the day it's dodgeball. Um, so, but um, is there anybody um, kind of going back to like your first elite tournament and as you were saying, trying to get better and and working towards uh, playing on Team USA? Is there anybody that you model your play after, or did you kind of just figure this out on your own, or like how did you uh, how did you come into like how you play now? What was your um, motivation or inspiration, I guess, or, um, I'm not going to say that, um, there's like a certain player that I model my game after I kind of take pieces from different people's game. So I, I watched so much film. Like I literally sat down and I watched the whole entire day stream of like 
nationals in 2018. I watched the whole entire stream top to bottom. We didn't even play in that, um, but I watched it just because, you know, I went to learn. And so I watched that and then I watched like just games of different teams and different players. So I wouldn't say there's like one player who I'm like, I'm going to copy this person like word for word because everyone has like their flaws and, you know, their things that they're good at. So I kind of just watch players who I feel like I can sort of, you know, um, comprehend, like, sort of relate to their game and so i kind of take the try to take the good things from their game and pull it into mine right. um and so i just watch really good players and i also watch like role players that are really good at playing a specific role and i'm like dang how do they nail this role like perfectly like what do they do to where they're like they're that important like someone's gonna label them a role player but they're also like very important to any team they play on and like teams that they're on tend to win a lot so it's like are they even a role player or are they a star who happens to just play really good at one role? And so just trying to learn like why they are good and kind of, you know, just take stuff from people. I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like I'm like a thief. Like I'm like, Ooh, interesting. I like that. You know what? I'm going to take that a little bit. And so <laughs> I'm constantly looking for things for, that I see from people and trying to like just steal it for myself and practicing it on the side and hopefully going in another to the next tournament and trying to like do it a little bit or, you know, stuff like that. Just test how it works. Like, Oh, that didn't work. I'll try something else. Or yeah. I'm like, dang, my body can't really do what this person's body can. Like <laughs> their body can hit the ground at a hundred miles per hour and get right back up. I'm a little heavier than that. If I do that, you know, I might break my elbow and yeah, might I won't be. be able to play again. So you got to be smart about it too. Like you're not going to be able to play like a guy who's 110 pounds. If you're 240 pounds, like that's just reality. <laughs> so uh just you know testing things out too like you said that's cool i think somebody asked about your film um so i'll, I'll hold off on my uh on my question for that one um i did see a question you might have skipped it you asked like well, about play style or something like that yeah so if you wanted to get into that one um do you do you consider yourself like a defensive offensive player um i mean to me and we'll definitely get into this later like you seem like you, you catch a ton um how would you describe your your style of play uh so i guess based on like you know highlights and stuff that i post online i guess like people would consider me um you know a catcher because those are the things that i post more of but um i'd say more of a balanced player than people would give me credit for based on film uh if you actually play against me or you know you, you play with me on a team you realize that like catching's not like all i do like i'm able to throw players out um i'll lead the team sometimes like it depends on the tournament and hit outs and catch outs and you know so i can do a little more than that um so i try to stay balanced in that but one thing i'm trying to get better at is um is dodging um but it all depends on the ball type so i learned that catching is not really valuable in foam so in like the seven inch foam so i'm trying to be less of a catcher for that and just trying to learn how to stay alive and only catch if it's like absolutely necessary like if you make a dodge first and the ball just ha happens to like still be on target then you got to catch it or it's going to hit you but trying not to play like let me get this catch first that's what i'm trying to become more of is trying to become more elusive and being able to avoid uh being hit or avoid going for catches unless i absolutely need it um so my play style is constantly changing i've probably my first year went for way more catches than i do now but i still go for a lot of catches but, you know, as time progresses, we all go through our own, like, growth on the court. So I'm sure even you, there was a play style you had your first year of dodgeball, and your current play style is probably way different than that, like, right now. I mean, I, <laughs> I played in jeans, a hoodie, and I would eat a Wendy's chicken sandwich <laughs> while playing, so. Oh, no. Um, no, I was actually, um, 
I think the only thing I could really say is with foam, definitely focusing on surviving more than anything. Cause I, I tend to reach a lot. Um, mm-hmm. that's just a habit from football and baseball. I just can't like just that up here, like that glove catches. I can't, oh, yeah. I, even to this day, I still can't fight that habit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I notice if I just stop going for these catches, um, I tend to survive a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, I, I bet if I, and this is where I'm kind of, kind of set my ways, but I need to, uh, adjust if I ever want to adapt. I just need to watch more film and, uh, yeah. see how, how to, how to, how to, um, evolve basically. But, um, yeah, no, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's definitely one thing I noticed with film is just mostly just survive unless you're a freak, like, um, Isidro Perez who can just pluck anything out of the air. It doesn't matter what kind of ball. Um, that guy's just a madman, but, um, yeah, I didn't even know who he was until about a couple years ago when I went to, uh, the combine and I saw him there and I'm like, who is this guy? Like I literally never heard of him before in my entire dodgeball, you know, two years playing up to that point. And I was like, and I see him at the combine. I'm like, yo, this dude is smoking everyone. Like I literally don't even know his name. And then like, I saw he made the team and like, I didn't even know his name, but I saw his face and I was like, Oh yeah, I remember that guy. That guy was good. Like I didn't know his name, but I saw him, he made the team and I was like, that makes sense. You know, I remember that guy, you know, being really good. I didn't know his name, but I, I saw how good he was and, so I'm not surprised that he made the team. So it's cool. I've been watching him a lot more ever since then. Like seeing him, I'm like, oh yeah, Cedro. Like, but back in the day, I just saw him as some random guy, and he was just smoking people. So um, now that I pay attention to him more, I've actually been trying to watch him a lot. To, you know, he's actually one of the people who I watch and try to like, you know, take stuff from uh, his game. I know he's a lefty, but um, just trying to see like how he's so good at surviving, but at the same time. He knows when to go for the catch and make that, you know, big play. So, um, yeah, he's especially comes to like elite <clears throat> or uh, or worlds. I mean, he he definitely hones it or he definitely tones down the amount of catches he goes for yeah. playing playing in, you know, our Sunday leagues back in the day. He'd go for just about anything. But I mean, you can do that. No one's going to get mad at you for losing yeah. a rec league. But uh, it's scary when he has control. He's just like, oh, man, don't throw anything within like a three foot radius of this guy. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> and no less than three balls because exactly. guarantee one of us is going out, maybe two of us. Um, yep. Yeah, he's, he's definitely a fantastic player. Um, let's see. <clears throat> kind of still, and I always preface this question with this one, um, about role models. So did you have any role models growing up? Um, and I, I just don't know where to place this. Like, should this be at the top of the is that like questions? A, or? Is that like dodgeball or is that like uh, just in, in general? In like, general. I'm just curious. Yeah, in general. So, like, um, movie stars, sports heroes, people you know. Just kind of curious how people um, were. I don't want to say were raised, but just yeah. One yeah, of those questions no, kind of um, throw in there. You know, my, one of my favorite athletes, probably of all time, is uh, Brian Dawkins. And so uh, he was my. You know, I'd always watch videos on him, and he was one of those guys. He was super inspirational, like on the field. I don't know if you keep up with football or the Eagles, but Brian Dawkins. You know, I'm pretty sure he's going to be a Hall of Fame safety if he's not already. And uh, dude was just so more than a football player. He was inspirational on and off the field to his teammates. Um, pretty sure he preaches and, you know, he, he tries to do the right thing off the field. You don't ever see him getting in trouble with the law or anything like that. And so he was one of the players who I just really respected watching growing up. And, you know, he, he was probably one of my favorite athletes growing up, if not my favorite athlete, you know. Uh, nice. Anybody else? I'm trying to think. <clears throat> Uh, uh, yeah, Brian. Also, Brian Westbrook, uh, another Eagles player, was someone who I really respected. He was really quiet. He was more of a uh, leadership by example type of player. So, like, he didn't really, he wasn't very vocal. 
But, you know, you could tell by the way he was hustling on the field and stuff like that, that um, he was respecting the locker room. So those are like my two guys that I, um, that I'd say. What, uh, what, what time frame was Dawkins playing for the Eagles? Ooh, um, probably between like 2000 and 2010. Okay. I think he was the quarterback for um for Vic took over. Um, oh man, this always bothers me. McNabb for Philly. Donovan McNabb was he the quarterback for Dawkins during that yep. time frame? Okay. That was Donovan McNabb. <clears throat> I was slowly kind of getting back into football at that point. Um, oh okay. Yeah, the Eagles I remember were like um, Randall Cunningham back in the days when the Cowboys were good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was right before the McNabb era then. Yep. So I was just like, I'm, I don't recognize that name, but. Um, I, I like I know the name. I'm trying to place it, but uh, I'm sure it'll, it'll pop up now. Um, and I have an idea of where this conversation is going to go once uh, we get to Markel's comment later um, <clears throat> in the crowdsource questions. Yeah, yeah that's what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we, before we go there, though, um, so this question um, I kind of toss it around just depending on the um, how the conversation goes, but. This question was, what was your Kramer moment? And uh, the reason why I leave it on here is, is like, because some players have challenges playing. Um, they get their butt whooped in something and they, they pull themselves out of it. And for lack of better words, I just use that as Kramer because Brenda is one heck of a motivating person. Um, mm-hmm. I got that when I interviewed her a couple seasons ago. Um, but for you, I wanted to ask about the, uh, the Fry meme. So <clears throat> before... Um, we had the birthday clash discussion. I had saw that you had posted that and I wanted to talk to you about it. Um, so believe it or not, you'd been on my radar for, for a while, just trying to figure out how to place this with everything that was going on. Um, yeah. and just our schedule. So I wanted to ask you, uh, especially now, um, after kind of getting to know you a little bit more. So the fry meme was, um, it's what's well, a picture of fry from Futurama looking down at a note and it says you should have accomplished more by now at your age or something like that. Yeah. Um, you cool. You feel like getting into that for a little bit? Like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So, uh, what was, uh, what, what was behind that? If you don't mind me asking. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, in 2017, I graduated, uh, finished my undergrad program. And, um, at that point, you know, uh, I was feeling really good, uh, on my outlook. I just got um, invited to do a graduate assistantship. So basically I would work at the university and they pay my tuition to um, finish my grad program. And so, you know, uh, I was awarded president of the year uh, for an organization that I was the president of in college. And, you know, I had a couple of awards that I was given and then, you know, I went and I was a GA for two years and I put in so much time and effort, you know, I kind of put dodgeball and stuff on the back burner so I could finish my degree so I could get a job and stuff like that. And it was like, after I finished my master's degree, you know, uh, I didn't know where I was going to live. Um, I wasn't sure, you know, what I was going to do because, you know, I'd applied to a few jobs and I just, you know, totally struck out on all of them. Like I'd made it really far in the interview process and, you know, someone more experienced um, or, you know, someone who I guess impressed the interview person more than I did got the job and I didn't. So I just felt like over and over, you know, I was getting really far in interview processes and I was like feeling really good. Like I'm going to get this job. And then boom, I didn't get the job, you know? So over and over, I kind of was just getting hit with that. And it was just weird because all throughout college, you know, my first year in college, I got upcoming leader award for the university. Um, And then the next year I was a program director. So I helped put on events on campus. I was awarded programmer of the year. 
And then, you know, after that, I became the president and I got president of the year. You know, I was constantly getting, you know, awards and, you know, even in the NCDA, you know, I was in the MVP race and, you know, it was, you know, good things happening for me. And I felt like everything was so good and so positive. I got that, you know, free tuition for grad school. Right. And then it was like, boom, right after that, it was like for like a whole year, it was just like, I feel like nothing was going right. I just didn't understand. I was like, did I do something wrong? Like, is there something in the universe going on right now that's just against me right now? Like, what did I do wrong that just caused me to, from going to like getting awards and, you know, doing everything right? I feel like I did everything right up to that point for me not to be able to get like jobs and just, just things weren't going right. You know, I just was in that ultimate, nothing is going right for me. Like I was talking to my friends, like, yo, did I ever say anything like hurtful to anybody that, you know, I need to take back and <laughs> get some like, bad karma or something. Yeah. I'm like, cause I had so much good karma. I felt like, and then it was like, all of a sudden it was nothing, but I'm, I'm starting to learn that's just part of highs and low in life. You know, there's going to be those moments where you're really high and everything is going right. And you feel like you're doing everything right and good things are happening around you. And then there's just going to be times where, you know, everything, some things are out of your control and you know, it, there might be a low, you can't have a high without a low. So I guess, you know, falling back down to earth and having to grind for a little bit, it was just, it was tough because I was always grinding, but like, I feel like I had to do times two after nothing was going my way. Um, but to add on to that, I'm actually kind of out of that, you know, low point right now. And I guess there's a couple things I could tell you about, uh, I guess to be more, more positive, I got actually some good things that have happened recently. Yeah. Let's hear it, man. Yeah. So, um, you know, recently my, my car had died. And it was a 98 Honda Accord. So, you know, it was on this last, like, yeah, 286,000 miles on it. I made it this so far. I knew, I knew it's time was going to be up soon. And it happened one day. It just <clears throat> didn't, it just died. And that was it. And so, you know, I was able to use the money that I'd put in my savings for the past, you know, couple years. And then I had some help from my family. And I was able to purchase, you know, a nice, you know, 2016 car. And it feels really good to be able to buy my own car for the first time. And so, you know, that happened. And then um, actually, on top of that, um, I actually got the job, you know, that I really wanted recently. And so I was able to um, move up in that aspect, too. I was able to, you know, get a facilities manager job at a university. So um, I feel like maybe I don't know. I just started seeing signs around me. Like, I feel like things started getting better. I started taking stuff into my own hands. So, you know, during that low point, I wasn't working out or anything because I just didn't feel like it. Like, bro, everything's going wrong right now. Like why do I even need to work out? Like there's no dodgeball Corona hit. Like it's just really <laughs> bad right now. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I saw, you know, some people, you know, working on themselves and I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just, maybe this is just a learning moment for me. Maybe I just need to keep grinding, do what I'm doing and just figure out how I can add more positive things into my life. So I started eating better and working out and stuff like that. And then it's just like all of a sudden good things started happening. And I was like, this is probably just part of one of those highs and lows. Like, I had a high, I had a low, and now I'm, you know, going back up. There'll probably be a low again. So uh, just growing and learning that. So I feel like right now, though, I'm going back up and um, I'm excited, you know, feel really better compared to when I posted that meme. I was in a different headspace than I am right now. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing all that, man. And also, congrats. I mean, that's that's awesome. Sounds like a pretty good turnaround. And um, I mean, if you don't mind asking, how old are you? I'm uh, tw I just turned 25. I actually got oh, that new car on my birthday. Got, okay. Yeah, man. It's uh, if I may, as a 37 year old dude, I've I've been to this day. I'll still have those moments. I'm like, man, I probably should have had kids by now, or got married, or 
whatever. I mean, it happens. Um, and mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's, it's a good gut check depending on what you're comparing this to. Like if you're saying, well, according to society, I should have X, Y, Z. But at the end of the day, if you're, if you're, if you're happy and if you're in a good state, you know, that really is all that matters. And like you said, <clears throat> I, I think there's just ups and downs and, um, Kind of like you, man. I'm on, I'm on an up right now, and I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for that down to happen. Yeah, um, <laughs> I hate that feeling. Like yeah. knowing, like, bro, there's too many things going on. Good right now. <laughs> yeah, there's a it's if there's a, a meme uh, called the uh, oh, man. I hate to. You've been so good at not cussing, so I'm I'm gonna do it. It's called the. Uh, let me get the timestamp. It's called the. Um, I don't know if you've seen that meme. I obviously. How does to, that one go? I'm mean, gonna bleep it out. So for those that if you can't put it together, it's the the fu inning the uh, freaking basically it's like when everything's going well and all of a sudden just stuff starts to hit you like ah yes there it is that's the f***ing that's that's happening so it's just oh like, yeah yeah i've seen that one i know what you're talking about yeah it's, it's like a it's like <laughs> a comedic way to just you know appreciate the good with the bad and then when the bad yep. hits just know that um if you have a good attitude um you don't just I mean, obviously, you know, take, take your licks, but at the same time, don't, don't let it beat you down so bad that you can't get back up from it. And I've, I've had it too. And, um, this year uh, I'm sure everyone in the community is feeling it, uh, to some point. And, um, it's really cool when some people are posting, um, uh, Hey, what are your, what are your wins? Uh, cause there's so much dang negativity going on. <clears throat> and I think that that helps. I mean, you know, if you're in a better headspace, better mind, mind frame, you know, those opportunities will come up or you can at least kind of uh, be focused enough to take advantage of them when they do. And you realize it's, it's just temporary. And, um, the reason why I wanted to, to ask you that, um, you know, again, from my perspective, you always seem like a pretty happy guy. I remember, I remember, I remember you mostly sharing memes a lot. I thought you were like yeah. the, the meme guy until I think Tyrell came on and then he started supplying memes. I'm like, Oh yes, I'm just so happy. Like I'm getting so many memes on my feed. Oh, this yeah. is awesome. Love these guys. No, so, those dudes Tyrell and even like Sydney and them, they 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 share more memes than I do. I'd oh, say. Man, I do Sydney. share a lot, but uh, they got me beat. Sometimes I'm sharing my memes from them, but there are a few times where they'll share something that I shared. So it's not always me sharing from them. There are times where I'm the original meme person and they're sharing off of me. So I'll take the credit in that, but now nah, I'm not going to take the crown for that. That's definitely for one of them. They'll have the crown. I'll just be like someone who's like second tier when it comes to memes or something like that. That's fine. Yeah. And didn't you post something where it's like, this is me liking my meme before I share it from before I steal it from you. I think you just posted yep. it. Like, <laughs> I start laughing at yep, that that's one. it. No, because I'm one of those people who I have to react to the meme before I share it. I'm not going to just share someone's meme without reacting to it. Cause so many people will be sharing my memes and they don't react to it. I'm like, okay, so you're just, you, you saw it, <laughs> you saw it, you didn't react to it, but now you want to share it on your page. Okay. But I'm, I, that's not me. I always make sure if I'm going to steal it, and I make sure I let them know, boom, I appreciate this. Now I'm going to steal it. That's how I roll. So you follow some, some <laughs> meme etiquette. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Sydney is just unstoppable with her memes. I can't even keep yeah. up. Um, so if she wants a crown, I think she's got it. But um, <clears throat> back to my original point was just, you know, from the outside, you seem like a pretty positive guy. Um, just talking to you, like I said, you have a lot of um, a lot of accomplishments. I'm like, what, what, was he, what does he beat himself up over? But I mean, we all do it. And I, I, again, I appreciate you kind of sharing that. And, you know, for people that are listening that might be going through a hard time, um, it happens to everybody. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you don't really know people until you talk to them. Um, yeah. And it's good to kind of hear when they get out of it, because if it goes, if it happens to you, um, you're not alone. And I think that was exactly. one of the cool things that the, uh, the community did was, or does is when people are legitimately asking, um, 
for support or just in a bad space, most of the time, um, we'll elevate each other, which is awesome. Um, and we'll definitely get into that too. Um, but I did want to get into the crowdsource questions cause I know I'm feeling we'll, we'll probably go on another oh, yeah. tangent. Um, <clears throat> so before we, we start, uh, Markel has a pretty stable question and that is, um, are there any songs that amp you up, uh, prior to a dodgeball game? Oh yeah. So, um, I got a lot of, um, hard beats on there. So Waka Flocka Flame, he, he, a lot of his songs hype me up. Um, I listen to a lot of the the new rappers now just because their beats go hard. Like so a lot of times the lyrics don't have any substance to them, right. but it goes hard and I don't need lyrics before a game. I just need to get hype. I need to get in the zone. I need to start feeling that heart go. And um, I like to be able to just express myself through that music and be able to like get into like a different mind state. Cause before a tournament, I'm going to be all laughs and saying hi to people and, and, you know, being all friendly and, then I need to get to the zone where it's like, all right, it's time to get kind of mean a little bit. Like for these next few hours, I'm not going to be, you know, super nice about everything. I'm serious. I, I barely talk to like people not on my team during tournaments. I'm just, you know, once I put the music in and I start going over, it's just me and my team at that point for the next few hours until, um, you know, until we get through, you know, round robin in the playoffs. Um, I'm not trying to be mean to people. I'm not trying to be like angry at people. I literally, I'm just in the zone and I need to stay in that zone for a while. So that's uh, what my my hard beats and uh, my music will get me into. Along with, um, it says something about a pregame r- ritual. I, I like to feel some sort of pain before I start playing. So I'll have my teammates throwing on me from like, you know, instead of the 20-foot throwing line, I'm, I want them throwing at me from like 15 feet. I want to feel some pain. Like I want to have some red marks on me before we get playing, you know. I want to be able to be like ow before I start playing so that when I'm playing, there will be no ow because I've already felt that, you know, I had some heat thrown at me before we started playing. So nothing I'm going to see in the game is going to scare me or make me flinch because I've already got all that out of the way in the pregame Time when I had my teammates just ripping at me from close range. So that's kind of like my, my pregame is like hard music, hard beats, um, even like some, some metal and some rock in there that just will, will get me pumped and then just feeling some sort of pain just to, get my body warmed up because that'll start getting me warmed up that's psychotic but it makes a lot of sense man um <laughs> so there's something about like getting cracked in the face that first time like all right well it's out of my system so it's uh, yeah i, I try to done. get my teammates to do that before we even start playing <laughs> yeah i'm more of like if it happens great if not great but uh not, i mean it gets the blood pumping and like you said if you already get cracked i mean what else is what else is left but to play so <laughs> exactly no, that's that's awesome what um so, I mean, we did, we did kind of bleed into the pregame ritual question. Um, is there anything you do like the morning of or the night prior? Um, any like superstitions you have, like left sock over the right sock or anything like that, or just music, game on? Yeah, it's mostly cracked. the music, the game on, but I got to make sure I look good. So I got to make sure um, I have all my gear out ready. I got to make sure I got my knee pads and everything, you know, the night before, make sure it's all laid out so that I kind of like visualize putting it on while I'm looking at it. So like I go through, I'm like headband, uh, shirt, you know, arm sleeve, shorts, and then I just make sure everything's there. Uh, so I just, you know, kind of make sure I do that. And sort of, I haven't worn the headband lately because I lost it. I need to get another one. But when I put the headband on, that kind of was like my signal for like, all right, it's time to get serious. Like before the headband comes on, I'm like, all right, just going around. But once I put that on, it's like, all right, this is me for me to like, it's kind of like an actor getting into like um, getting ready for their part. They got to like put themselves in there. When I put the headband on and I start putting the music in and doing what I got to do, I kind of put myself into like a different mental state so I can start playing and nice. do what I got to do. So 
that's that's kind of it for me that's cool good to know because if i ever see in person with the headband i'm like all right i'll talk to him later I'll catch him when he's... <laughs> it's just a good sign to like all right he doesn't want to talk about podcasts right now um all right let's get into the crowdsource questions so markel stokes um I'm almost about to make this a, a staple question because he's always asking about jerseys. So he asks, um, when is clutch mode? When, Maybe when is, doing jersey sales. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. When, when is clutch mode doing jersey sales? Sales. Uh, we don't, I don't know when yet because I don't know <clears throat> when we're playing dodgeball. <laughs> so, you know, the roster might change by then based on how people come out of COVID and if people are ready to play and stuff like that. You know, I don't expect crazy roster changes, but, you know, if someone's like, I don't want to play due to COVID. I'm gonna have to find someone else. So um, I just want to make sure that we're all set with that. And, you know, we're actually gonna be playing dodgeball soon before like people buy jerseys for a team they might not end up playing for, you know, due to how we come back. So I don't know when, but we definitely have a new jersey. I designed this new jersey and uh, all of us are pumped for it on the team. I should be putting out a jersey reveal video soon. It kind of has like every single jersey that Clutch Rose has had up to this point. Uh, kind of like it's going to be like a visualization of how the jerseys kind of change over time and uh, where it's going to be, you know, when we start playing dodgeball again. So I don't know when to release that, but it'll be soon. That could mean like in the next month or so, or even the next week. So I'm working on that. We do have a new Jersey. I don't know when it's going on sale. Gotcha. Yeah. COVID-19, man, just really just put a wrench into everything, but um, I'm sure Markel just hold tight. Um, You'll get another jersey to your 80-some-odd jersey that you own. <laughs> um, not really – I guess it's a question. I guess I'll read it. Um, <clears throat> he asked, uh, do the Cowboys suck? And I said banned. Uh, I got like 10 likes, so, I mean, I, I appreciate the support. Whoever liked that comment, I'm I'm treating you all as Cowboys fans, which I desperately need right now. So uh, my answer to that is yes, the Cowboys do suck. But I'm also going to add that the whole NFC East sucks. The Eagles suck. The Redskins suck. The oh, Giants terrible. suck. The Cowboys suck. They all are really bad teams right now. So, yes, the Cowboys do suck. I hate the Cowboys, but, you know, my dad, my uncle, they're Cowboys fans. My mom's an Eagles fan. We got the rivalry in the house and constant. But I will say, you know, without a doubt, each of those teams in the division all suck. And I'm an Eagles fan, and we suck. It's just – that's just – that's it. So, I know the Cowboys fans might hate me out there, but trust me, every fan should hate me right now because our whole division is just bad. Flat out bad. <laughs> yeah. We have a combined, I think, three twelve and one record as a division. Three twelve and one. That is that is just terrible. Three wins, twelve losses, and one tie. That doesn't even sound real. <laughs> no. And, and I, I think the Eagles are winning the division because of a tie. Like that's Yes. That I, I thought the tie was gonna work against us, but at this moment it is working for us. The Falcons must feel terrible for what they did to how they blew that game against the Cowboys and like watching them play against the Browns. I'm like, what, what is happening right, right now? Like, I don't know what's going on with them, man. Yeah. Last year was that Super Bowl must've took a toll on their mindset because they can't finish anything now. No. Um, they, they, they burned their, whatever they had, their, their magic. Um, but the, um, about that. So like, this is, this is why I can't stand the Cowboys leadership. It's like, so the, the Eagles were doing pretty good until, uh, Chip Kelly came in and just, I don't know what he did. He just took a dump on all of them and I feel ruined them, uh, just from an outside perspective, but they got rid of them in a couple of years and they turned around and they got a Super Bowl. Whereas the Cowboys have been garbage since 96. Like wh- why, why is it taking so long to get us anywhere near, you know, the Super Bowl? 
So I have that the crazy thing. The crazy thing about their <clears throat> fan base is that they think every year is going to be a Super Bowl. It seems like, and I'm I'm just going to say it. Like I feel like Cowboys fans, like my dad, my uncle, every year they're like, "This year's the year." You know, we got this player and this player, <laughs> and you know, we drafted this guy and this guy came over in free agency, and they're just their outlook is always so positive. Whereas, like I feel like other teams are like, "Yeah, we're going to be bad this year." But, you know, they just accept it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not going to be that good this year. And if they do well, they're like, wow, look, we actually did well this year. But I feel like the Cowboys say every year is yeah, like that always... year. Like we didn't boys like every single year. And like there are years where they are good and there are years where like they're balling out. But it's just like I feel like as their fan base, they always think that every year is their year. Um, so, I so, mean, I maybe don't... one of these years will be their year. I'm not going to say it won't be. Well, if we say I mean, it I... every <laughs> single year, that one year it happens. We're like, we've been telling you this whole time, you know. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, man. Um, I, I'm more of the, I just hope we do better than last year. And uh, so far, we're not even accomplishing that. So for all I, for myself, all I can say for the Cowboys fan base is, you know, we're loyal. We have that going for us. Um, yeah, I will say that I do. Cowboys fans have, for the most part, everyone that I've known has stuck to the Cowboys. So you, you got that. Yeah, we got that. And we're also delusional, um, <laughs> which is wildly optimistic. But um, man, it, it sucked taking that Eagles picture with, uh, with Markel. Oh, man, he got me during Sin City. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. I do remember seeing something like that. Yeah. Uh, thoughts and prayers go out to the NFC East and my beloved <laughs> Cowboys and just hopefully we'll do better. Um, Alrighty. Uh, is this a question? Uh, eh, kind of. So Dom asks, um, actually this, this will be a good, like, like precursor. So Dom asks, how has your leadership and play developed as you played? Okay. <clears throat> so, so I'd say, um, I guess when I came in, you know, I'd learn, you know, how to lead a team, especially an undermanned team at, um, Stevenson university. That was where I started playing NCDA. Uh, we never had enough players for tournaments. Other teams had bench and, you know, they had four or five guys to rotate in. We came to tournaments with just the bare minimum. So if you needed 12 players on the court, we had 10 and we were still trying to compete and win games. So I feel like from that standpoint, I learned how to manage myself and, you know, manage the talent on your team to use them as effectively as possible. So while we didn't have as much players or we didn't have, you know, the depth that other teams had, I was finding ways for us to win games or stay in games. And so um, that's kind of how I started. But then when I came into Elite, it was kind of like very different. I was like, all right, man, we should be probably pretty good at this. Um, and then we came in and we sucked. So um, I had to learn like maybe from watching other teams and stuff how to lead. So I'd say um, I saw other teams game planning and I saw them, you know, um, they had like ph philosophy and calls and plays and they had substitution lineups that they had, like, you know, based on, you know, what they had planned before the tournament. And so the big thing for me was to learn elite style because what I grew up leading in and what I, you know, grew up playing in was not elite. And so, um, you know, philosophies and the way we played in CDA, like with the one foot in, or you only need to keep one foot in bounds and stuff like that, all that stuff, I had to completely like change my mind on like how to take dodgeball, how we play, like, do we go for catches? or what so you know i feel like my whole philosophy on dodgeball kind of changed when it came to elite and so uh i kind of started out you know just leading by example just trying to make the right plays myself and uh constantly you know trying my best 
but then it had to become more than that because there was there was a lot of talent around the league that I saw and a lot of leaders out there that were leading their teams. And so I was like, all right, what are these guys doing that I need to do? Um, so what I started doing was kind of just watching other teams and how they made play calls and stuff like that. And I even asked questions to like the GOs, like, how did you guys prepare for, you know, this and stuff like that? Um, and then what I also did after that is I started playing for other teams that I felt had good leadership or good teamwork and good communication. Um, so I went up north and I played for Task Force, I think, in 2018 for their mm-hmm. round one. And so I felt like there was a lot I could have learned from them. And there was from, you know, Glenn and Nico and um, Furlong and, you know, everyone on that team, you know, were they were all veterans. There were no like first year players on the team. Everyone on that team understood a system. They understood how to play together and they understood, you know, when each of them, when it was their time to step up and lead kind of. So I kind of learned some from them when I played with them. Um, and then, you know, I played for Arkham for a tournament and I feel like they're one of the teams in the East that consistently is like, you know, top five. They always are finishing really highly at tournaments. They have a very um, unique play style and none, no one on their team would stand out as like a superstar to me. They just have well-rounded players who play well together. And, you know, they do have some star talent, but they just play as a cohesive unit. And so I felt like when I played with them for a tournament, I was kind of learning like um, how a team that doesn't have like a Mike McGee or like an Andrew Ketchum or Billy or something like that, how a team like that, you know, competes and finishes at the top of each tournament without having like a superstar player to their team, you know? Right. And so in when I was playing with them, I just, you know, realized how much they do beforehand, how much communication they have and what trust they have among each other. Um, so it was a different type of feel than what I had for task force. Um, both are very qualified teams, but they both had different playing styles. And so kind of like when we talked about my play style and how I take from different players, I kind of do that for um, my leadership is I kind of see how other people are leading and I watch what other good teams do and how they communicate. And then I kind of try to bring that to my team and we have like team meetings and I tell them what I learned and they're like, okay, this just sounds good and something we could pull from them and <clears throat> stuff like that. So that's cool. That's my approach. Do you, um, do you remember like going back to task force when you play with them for a little bit, what was like one of the takeaways, um, that you're able to pull or extract in terms of leadership? If you can recall. <clears throat> uh, I feel like the respect that they had for one another, um, no one ever, you know, started doing something where they were like playing out of out of the system. So even if it looked like someone was about to, you know, go out of the system and do something, or even if I was doing something that was off base with the team, they'd always make sure to rein it back in. Like, hey guys, remember we gotta do this and this. So there was never moments where people were getting out of control. They were very controlled and they made sure that, you know, everyone was doing the role that they were supposed to do. And the crazy thing is like they um they trusted having me on the court. We finished second place in the north hmm. when I played with them. That was their best finish all year. And I it was crazy that they had me in the game um in the playoffs. You know, it was like the finals and I'm like waiting for them to sub me out, you know. I'm like, all right, they're about to put, you know, you know, this player back in. Like, oh, they're gonna put SWAT in or they're gonna put, you know, Furlong back in the game and it was crazy because like it, they didn't and I was like oh, do they, like, trust me to make plays or something like that? Like, it's just weird. Like, I'm not part of their system. Like, I probably made some bad mistakes today. And, you know, I don't even – I didn't even expect to be. And I thought maybe around 
the serious games in the playoffs, they were going to take me out or something or, you know, rotate me more. But it was like, I would step out like, all right, I'm going to sit out at this point. They're like, no, you're staying in. I'm like, uh, okay. So it was more of like, they, they were like, they had some trust in me and they believe that I can make plays. And um, I just take that back with me. And I'm like, all right, so you got to really trust in what you practice and you believe that your people are going to make the plays they need to make. And that's, that's, that's what I've been doing is like, I, I believe in every single one of my teammates. Um, I tell them what they do great. I tell them what they need to work on and what I need to work on. And then when it comes time for the game, I don't want them to think about um, what they don't do right. I want them to, you know, maximize what they do well. And so I just make sure that we're staying on pace when it comes to that. Nice. Yeah. That's uh go back to my comment about like, you know, watching film and um, cause I play with the myriad of players before in, you know, rec leagues um, just for fun tournaments, et cetera. <clears throat> and there's always something you can pull from, from that, that you can incorporate into your team um, as opposed to just being very rigid and strict and, and straight in your ways. Um, sounds like you're like our, you know, for lack of better words, like a perpetual student of dodgeball. So both as a player and as a leader. So being able to kind of just have that, I don't like openness to see what, what you can learn and how you can apply it. Um, mm mm-hmm. That's a really cool way to look at it. Um, probably revisit that a little bit later. Miles um, Gardner asks, when are we teaming up, bruh? Miles, it is whenever, you know, we have that opportunity. If I go up north and, you know, you guys need a player and, um, you know, I reach out to you guys and you're like, yo, you're that dude, I'm going to be down to play with you. If you come down to the east and we need a player and, you know, we think uh, – we think we need a player like with your skill set. Obviously, you're highly talented. We're gonna call you and be like, "Yo, bro, what, are you joining us for this tournament or not?" So it, it just depends on when we're at the same tournament um, and when we're both looking for a team or something. You know, so nice. I, I can't wait. Honestly, I'm excited. I've been wanting to play with you for a while now because you know I feel like we're both like the same age and we're both at similar points in our life. And so I feel like um, just being playing together and you know when we talked at the bar and stuff like that, it's just like, it's going to happen. We don't know when, but it's going to happen. Nice. He then further asks, uh, how do I get hands as good as yours? Um, some of it came naturally to me. And then, you know, the, some of it was based on how we played in Delaware. So when we played in Delaware, we uh, had an interesting rule, I guess, ball blocks were getting out of hand. So some players were like, Oh, that I blocked that or that hit my ball. So it's dead. And, so people were always arguing about ball blocks when they first started. That was before I got there. Um, and so when I got there, they were like, yeah, we don't use ball blocks at all. And I was like, what? And they were like, no, you can't. Like, you either dodge or you catch. Like, there is no blocking. So um, for years, the first four years of me playing dodgeball, I played with no ball blocks. So you either became a really good dodger or a really good catcher. And I feel like I was like, I can dodge when I needed to if they're throwing multiple at me. But, you know, I really was like, you know what, I'm going to be good at this catching thing. I already feel like I was naturally good at it because uh, I played football and I played tight end and I was always catching passes. So, like, you know, I feel like in dodgeball, I was like, you know what, I'm going to be a catcher. And so playing there for years with no ball blocks really helped in that aspect. But I think it had its downfalls, too, because uh, that's one of my weaknesses right now is, you know, dodging and ball blocking. It's something I just wasn't accustomed to. So it's just something that now when I play is like I'm really practicing at getting better at dodging and blocking. So maybe if, uh, if you want to practice a little bit, you know, without losing your blocking ability, just, Hey, for, you know, 30 minutes, we're not going to do blocking and just focus on catching. It's like, like you said, like you will eventually either dodge better or, or catch more because you have to exactly. adapt at some point. Exactly. That's a good, uh, 
good idea, good tactic. <clears throat> um, kind of talked about this a little bit. Uh, I just want to read the thread because it looked like it got pretty funny when Sam got involved. So Markel said, uh, what type do you prefer playing with? Um, and then Sam's like, and why is it pinch? Um, Markel questioned her saying, is it? She said, better be. And he's, I think they just kind of went back and forth a little bit. But um, was, what's up? I was going to say, I will say that, you know, I really loved pinch and NCAA or NCDA. And, um, you know, I always have a spot for it. But it's something that I can only do a couple times a year. I feel like pinch took a toll on my um, on my body. I feel like most of my throwing injuries came from pinch. So you know, I have like a my wrist has like sometimes like um, some pain in there, and it started from playing pinch. I uh, once hurt my elbow a couple a few years ago at nationals playing pinch, um, and then like I had some shoulder, you know, pain from pinch like years ago. Like I don't get that from eight point five from no sting, uh, maybe a little bit in foam. I have some pain cause I'm not used to throwing that ball as much, but I feel like most of my, uh, you know, injuries are, you know, getting hurt and like the throwing arm happened from pinch. So that is why I love playing pinch, but I only love playing it like once or twice a year. I cannot consistently play pinch over and over. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that's a pretty valid reason if you're going to have a, you know, to, I won't say rank the other styles or, or ball types, but, um, kind of going back to what you said earlier, like you, you'll play anything as long as it's dodgeball, but you know, as we get older, probably not as, not as frequently, um, just to preserve the fact that you can throw other, other balls like foam and, and no sting and whatnot. Yep. <clears throat> uh, Dominic asks, uh, what's been your greatest accomplishment so far and what's your next step? And then also what has motivated your workouts? So, um, I think we kind of talked about, you want to be on team USA as your next step. Yeah. But what's your, what's so, been your, oh, good. I guess my greatest accomplishment, I, I don't know right now, I guess, um, would be having our team finish top four last year in the East. Um, that was big for me because that was, you know, where we started not winning a single game to where we are now, uh, being a, a top four team in the region. I feel like that just shows how much uh, time and effort and improvement and working on ourselves that we've done as a team, um, that's a team accomplishment. I know. I don't know if you're asking for individual accomplishment, um, but for team wise, that's, that's the first thing I'm looking for is how, how far did my team make it? Um, and so I feel like that was it right there. The next step um, for a team would be, you know, winning a region um, or at least finishing higher than fourth. You know, we finished fourth in the region. So next step is finish higher than that um, or win a national championship. So um, personal, if we're going to say a personal accomplishment, I guess, um, getting ranked in the top 50 in the dodgeball tribune um when they did their top 50 rankings i think i was only ranked 49 out of 50 but you know it, it meant something to me because i was like okay so i'm finally you know starting to make myself known across the league for being a good player and hopefully i can build off of that um so like you said and like i said earlier i guess the next step for me is for the team is you know competing for winning the region or a national championship and then personally is just you know keep grinding to make it onto team USA, at least get invited to the combine to start. But, you know, once I'm there, I plan on giving it my all and trying to make the team. And so that's, those are my next, you know, goals and accomplishments that I want to do. Yeah. I mean, if you get that invite, it's just going to open up the next step of, okay, now I need to make the team. Okay. Now I need yep. to win gold. Okay. Now I want to do it again. Like it just, it's not going to end with you. So exactly. Um, <clears throat> and maybe that leads into this question. So Jeremy Bizzle, who I, I think he, what, what, he tore something. Um, yeah, UCL in the thumb. Yeah, that's a bummer. 
Um, if you're listening, Jeremy, uh, hope you get better, man, quickly. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm praying for you. I was going to make some kind of joke about like, maybe you're playing too much of that anime game, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope he gets uh, healed quick. But he asked, what keeps you hungry? So um, do you want to go into that a little bit? Uh, yeah, just my love for dodgeball keeps me hungry. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the game. Um, I feel like every time I play, I learn something new. I try to get a takeaway from it. I'm constantly, you know, watching film and trying to improve myself. But also, you know, I enjoy trying to help my teammates grow as players and help our team, you know, develop over time. It's just something that I like. Some people don't like that, I don't think. Like, they want to play. They want to get themselves better. Um, Not so much, like, the whole getting everybody else better. But I enjoy trying to help other players develop their games and, you know, trying to get the most out of them and trying to make us the most complimentary to each other uh, as possible because we each have our individual talents that set us apart from each other um but figuring out how all those come together to make like the best most cohesive um unit and i just really enjoy just playing with numbers and stuff like that you know i keep stats and i'm looking at the stats and i'm watching the film and i'm seeing what works and what doesn't and it's just something that honestly just is really fun to me like doing all that stuff is fun like i know a lot of people see that like going through film and stuff and they're like dang this is some tedious work when i'm doing it I could like zone out and look at the clock and I'm like, bro, it's 3 a.m. And I'm, st- <laughs> and I'm just Whoops. still going. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I imagine, uh, you know, heaven forbid once that dries up, then, then, you know, we'll probably lose some of the, the motivation, but it doesn't sound like that's going to be anytime soon. So it sounds like you'll be hungry for a while. And, uh, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I'm, I'm going to dig into that, uh, towards the end. Um, Jordan Wetworth, Jordan Whitworth, sorry if I butchered that man. Um, he asks, "Is Clutch Mode recruiting?" Um, Clutch Mode is not actively recruiting right now. I think right now we're set, sort of. Um, there are a couple players um, who are considering what they're doing based on you know this whole COVID situation, and you know everyone on my team is around my age, so some of us are, you know getting married, or some of us are you know buying houses and stuff like that. So. Um, there's a lot of changes going on in our lives. You know, we're not kids anymore. We're not even in college anymore. A lot of us have graduated or gotten our, you know, our um, certificates and, you know, certifications. And so we're all trying to get our jobs, you know, our big boy jobs. And we're all trying to buy houses and get a car and all that stuff. So um, that's the only thing that'll, you know, change the team. But I expect the team to be mostly the same. Um, But, you know, it all depends on, if this person buys a house in a different state, who knows what's going on? So it's just, that's the only thing, but we're not actively recruiting, but we might have like one spot uh, depending on how that goes with people buying houses and, you know, getting married and stuff like that. When, when life starts happening, hopefully yeah. in, a, in a good way. I mean, these are, these are good reasons to, I guess, I guess to lose somebody. Exactly. Stuff you're not going to get mad at <clears throat> stuff. You're like, yeah. I understand you not playing anymore or at least taking like taking a year off or something, which you know, we had a player who was supposed to take off a year this year. Well, obviously that didn't happen and he's back. So he didn't, we didn't miss him. We so thought we were going to miss one of our key out. players for a year. And he's like, all right, guys, I'm back. And we're like, dang, COVID really <laughs> didn't, <laughs> COVID really helped in that regard because we didn't lose him because there yeah. was no dodgeball. <laughs> so I guess he picked a good year to, to take yeah. off. Yep. Um, so this is one I wanted to dig into a little bit too. Um, been probably teasing this for the last hour and a half now. I think it's a good, good, good way to, to get into it. So Shadid Drakeford asks, how do you deal with folks who don't believe you, uh, who don't believe you and your team are a squad on the rise, despite the improvement and continuity over the years? So how do you, how do you deal with that? Um, 
I actually don't really look into that as much anymore. Some of my teammates do, and they like to, um, honestly, they'll like bait people to say stuff. So like, um, if they'll be like, yeah, well, and it's kind of true. They'll say stuff like, dang, nobody even knows our names. And it's true. Like if anybody's listening to this podcast, name one player on Clutch Mode that's not me. It's like, sit there a little bit and think about it. And a lot of people, unless you're like, um, you play a lot or you're in the East, you're not going to be able to really name anybody on Clutch Mode. You might not even be able to name me. And I'd say I'm the captain and probably one of the more well-known players on the team. So in that regard, um, I do feel like some people are sleeping because we got some talent. We got some players who have big, big name talent, but no one knows who they are right now. And that's still because, you know, we're only going to be in our fourth year or whatever. And so over time, like a lot of these players who have names have been in the community a long time. Um, So I really don't care about it as much, but my teammates recognize it because every time there's a podcast and, you know, a podcast, not even just a podcast, but, you know, when the Tribune was doing their articles and stuff too, like they would mention Clutch Mode and be like, yeah, Chris, nothing else. So like they all are like, they all are like, dang, we don't have names. So they all, they all play into that. And it kind of, you know, drives them to keep playing harder because they're like, dang, you know, they're not mad at me, but. They're just like, dang, they really only know who Chris is. They don't really know who anybody else is on clutch mode. Even if we continue finishing top four or, you know, we ball out at nationals, at the end of the day, we still aren't like a well-known team. Um, But I'll say, uh, I think we're at the point right now where we're the one team who no one might ever predict to be like top three at a tournament or something. But every tournament we show up to, that team that is top three or considered like the favorite, they don't want to meet up with us in the bracket. I'll tell you that much. That's every team out there. They don't want to meet us in the bracket. And they know that too. They'd rather play against any other team really almost except for us, even though you, you wouldn't consider us one of those top teams. I think if they get us matched up with us in the bracket, they're like, all right, this is going to be a long ride. Like if we win this series, it's going to be like a hard fought series. It's going to cost us. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, and that's, uh, you know, I've said it before with uh, my West Coast bias and, you know, when we were doing the the birthday clash uh, episode, we kind of, I don't want to say like dismissed you, but that's essentially kind of what happened. We didn't really focus too much on like the leadership dynamic. Um, that's one thing that, you know, had I talked to you now and understood what goes into your leadership, um, I probably would have walked that back significantly. And I know that that's one thing that really rubbed people the wrong way too, in terms of like the Tribune where you know, bless his heart, Tyler Greer is doing the best he can to start laying the foundation for, you know, an actual dodgeball, like not magazine, but just articles where we start to get to yeah. know players. And that's one thing that I, you know, I'm, I was kind of excited to talk to you about because I get to know you more and also bring you on as an additional voice because um, I can try as hard as I want to, but I'm only going to know so much from so many people. Yeah. Even even earlier, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I, I know you mostly from catching. And, you know, that one time where I thought you went out of bounds, but you didn't. And that's just like um, it's a slow process. But um, one thing I noticed, too, is just like, yeah, I mean, you only know somebody so much from what you see. And mm-hmm. one thing I would always say, um, either in private or to myself, when people say, oh, man, I'm kind of bummed that the Tribune didn't recognize me. I'd be like, well, we'll then get better. Um especially with some of my teammates, it's like, well, we're not really performing well enough to be recognized. Um, yeah. you know, this was playing as um, grit and, and headhunters last year. It's like, well, mm-hmm. we kind of suck. So, I mean, if, if we want to get noticed, um, unfortunately we have to, it's not necessarily a popularity contest. It's just, you got to make enough yeah. noise so that they, they recognize you. Exactly. And, um, and I just wanted to add like um, about <clears throat> the last, the podcast where you guys, you know, mentioned me, 
uh, someone, I guess, in the comments, you know, took it as like, uh, they're like, I don't want you, to, you shouldn't be angry. Like they do the podcast out of their love for dodgeball. And I'm like, I wasn't angry in my statement. Like I was just, you know, stating that I disagreed. Like I wasn't trying to, I didn't attack anyone. I didn't say any names. Like I didn't like say this person sucks. Like I was literally just like, dang, I felt like that just kind of, you know, I felt like I was just kind of thrown to the side a little bit. Like I was like, okay, I didn't like the way that happened, but I was like, you know what? And I was just going to sit there and like be like, all right, whatever. But he was like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to write about it because that's how I'm feeling right now. So I just wrote what I felt about the situation. And um, I kind of just wrote why I felt it was wrong to just disregard me in that aspect. But at the end of the day, it's someone's opinion. So if that's what they believe, that's what they believe. I can't be mad at that. If that's what they've seen out of me and uh, that's, you know, how they actually feel, like I can't change that. So I, I didn't ask for an apology or anything. I did receive like, you know, a couple apologies, but like, I wasn't trying to ask for an apology. Like, I just wanted to say that I disagreed. Um, I guess some people uh, took it as like anger, but I wasn't angry. I just wanted to state that I disagreed, you know, it wasn't yeah. like an angry thing. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was interesting seeing how people reacted to that. Cause I know I definitely wanted to apologize. Um, and it, for me, it was more just like, man, no matter how, which way I cut this, like, okay, we actually had representation on the east um probably should have maybe done something from the north and from the west so i know i could do this better if i brought on more people for the next mm -hmm. one um when i first i was like oh man dude this is just like a hypothetical tournament what's what's, what's gonna happen when we do like the like the 2020 <laughs> season oh my and God. the answer for that one is you know s surveys polls uh live feed twitch and then mm -hmm. we'll just do our best but at the end of the day we'll just chalk it up to our opinion and, yeah. um, for me, it's just, again, it, it's, um, it, it's trying my best to just reach out to as many people as possible and, and just get out of my, uh, as I keep saying the West coast bias. So I didn't really, once I read what was going on, I was like, oh, okay, he's not really that upset about it. He's just kind of stating his case. And so like, oh, okay, this sounds like a really good opportunity to talk to him, which, yeah, yeah it's, um, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, it, and that's also kind of a good thing, maybe. It, it gives people a chance to talk about dodgeball, and that's, uh, I forgot exactly. who. I think Jeremy uh, Bizzle mentioned that. He's like, oh, yeah, dude, no, this was a great series because um, we're talking about dodgeball. I'm like, yeah, I, I actually missed this a little bit. Um, I know some of the Tribune articles would go into a freaking dumpster fire, and that was one of my biggest concerns. Like, oh, oh God, where's this going? I was like, oh, okay, yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Um, mm -hmm. But um, no, it's, uh, like I said, you know, this is a, uh, um, something that we're just going to keep developing. And, um, every time I talk to somebody and get to know them more, I feel like, okay, that's one more voice we can, we can throw into the, into the, uh, the fire, so to speak. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, eventually we'll, maybe we'll have some kind of ESPN sports center like thing where we have multiple people chiming in and, um, we'll go from there. But, uh, I think that's all I have for that one. I know I've been probably hyping that a lot. It's, I know that we probably could have gone into a huge tangent before they oh, yeah. got into it more. No. Yeah. I understand. Um, so Kim, I'm glad he asked this one too. Cause I, I mentioned film earlier. Um, so he says, Kim, when he asks, uh, do you watch film? Yes. And if you do, what are the things you look at while watching your team and watching other teams? So for me, even to this day, like I know film is good to do, but like, like you, I probably zone in till like three o'clock in the morning and, and took away nothing. I'm just too busy watching awesome mm -hmm. dodgeball. So like, what do you look for? Like, how do you learn from watching film? Uh, so I try to go in like looking for something specific. So um, I got to go into film like, all right, today I'm watching myself to see like things that I've done wrong and things I could do better. Or like another day I'd be like, all right, so I'm watching this teammate or, you know, I'm watching the team as a whole, how we're moving as a unit. And so I'm trying to see like what 
what we can do differently or what we can do wrong. But it just all depends. You can't go into it like kind of like with a blank mind because if you do that, you just end up watching dodgeball for hours. Right. Um, so I try to look for specific things or if I'm watching other teams, I'm going to watch how they play and, you know, some of their tendencies and stuff like that. Um, so like when I'm watching myself, I'm, I'm seeing like where I could change and like what I can be doing better. Um, so like if I see myself throw a counter and I'm like, why did I throw that counter? I've just wasted a ball. We only had two balls on our side. Now we only have one. That was the stupidest thing ever. Or like a teammate and I will both throw a counter and then we have like one ball left. And it's like, dude, how do we negate us both throwing counters at the same time um, and figure out, like, only one person throws a counter there? Like, just just that type of, you know, thing. I try to look for um, maybe, like, something that I think a teammate of mine is not doing uh, to the best of their ability. Um, so I'd be like, yo, we got hit out on the first throw so many times going for catches. Why are we going for catches when we have six players on the court? Who are we bringing back in? And then they'll look and they'll be like, oh, dang, nobody. And it's like, beginning of the game, early game, we don't need to be going for those, you know, silly catches. We need to be trying to stay alive. If the catch is – if you dodge and the catch is there and you catch it, that's different. But you shouldn't be going for the catch right off the bat because that's just going to knock us down a player. And so, like, um, basically trying to get everyone on the same page um, with that. Um, so, like, I'd say last year, Clutch Mode was, like, a, um, a brand-new team. So we combined with Z-Warriors and we – didn't have any players from the year before. So round one, we were all over the place. And I feel like each round, we kind of had a better understanding of our own tendencies and how we play together. And so by like round three in nationals, we really had a full understanding and grip of how we played and, and moving forward with that. But that was all through film. Like um, I made everyone go through film and like say one thing that they could do better and one thing they did well. And so everyone had to like really self-diagnose themselves and see what they believed they did well, what they believed they could do better. And I, as the captain, I went through and watched film on everyone, and I kind of gave them one thing I think they did well and one thing they, I think they did better or, you know, stuff like that. Um, right. I just try to make sure everyone's trying to constantly grow, and I'm trying to ask them their opinion so I'm not the only one watching film. I need them to kind of watch themselves to be able to make those kind of um, um, changes that they need. That's brilliant. So it's, it's you go in there with intent versus – I'm just gonna be entertained and then three o'clock in the morning I'm like crap I didn't learn anything I just watched dodgeball versus now I'm gonna watch like myself specifically or I'm gonna watch like what can I improve on and then yeah sometimes um, and sometimes I'll be catching myself like um just start watching for a second like I'll lose focus and I'll see a cool play and then like I zone out and I just start watching and then I'm like hold up <laughs> like, I pause it I'm like wait a minute that's not what I'm doing here I'm not watching the game I'm watching this <clears throat> player or I'm watching you know their teamwork i'm not watching dodgeball like it's different so you got to catch yourself every once in a while and be like that's not what i came here for today nice no, that's cool um and i also like that you you have a, your teammates pick something as well that way you're not just barking at them and criticizing them you're kind of giving them a chance to think outside of themselves as well and see where yep. they can improve um, and i also and i also ask them i'm like what can i do as like the team captain or what can this person do as like the other vocal leader on the team to help you guys. And so like, I'm not just constantly giving them information. I need them to give me information so that I can become better. And so that I could be a better leader. Like it's not just me always telling them what to do. Like I need them. And I, I encourage it. I'm like, please tell me if I'm doing something wrong, like at a tournament, if I did, if I'm stepping out of line or if I'm not doing what I need to do to help you guys be the best players you can be that you need to tell me. So like, if I'm not applying enough pressure or if the other corner is not applying enough pressure, I'm like, you guys need to say something so that we have you guys as back. Like, don't be quiet. Don't sit there and get angry. Say it right away 
so that we can fix it and keep it moving, you know? Yeah. So you're not the exception. You're not, exactly. you're not, uh, impervious to criticism either. Exactly. And sometimes at first I think they were a little nervous about it because it was my team and they were all kind of like, they felt like they were playing on my team. And so it happened a lot where like no one would say something until after the tournament and then it would just become this huge, you know, kind of not argument, but just like, Oh, this, this, and this, this could have been done better. And I'm like, I understand that. And I appreciate everyone's feedback, but saying this now is not going to help as much <laughs> as it would have helped if you would have just, you know, made a note of it when it happened, you know, it's a lot, you know, a lot better. And so everyone's a lot more open about, and that's, that's what the team, every team needs to get to that point where everyone is comfortable voicing their opinion. Even the quiet guy on your team can say something when he needs to say something and people will listen. Nice. Yeah. That's uh some good advice and or at least a good a good model to follow you get that ownership and that that team buy-in uh versus one guy one gal barking at orders and and kind of having that like i'm up here i'm untouchable and you have that like kind of dissension i guess after after some time um looks like we got a question from the live stream so kyle warren he asks um what is your team's kryptonite and is it self-inflicted damage or a type of opposing team style uh right now i'd say sometimes it's self-inflicted so um we'll re- we'll go for catch we if you watch i posted a video probably in the feed like last year and we had we made over like 100 catches on the season just in 8.5 and that's just the ones we got on camera um so like we, we make catches all the time and games where we're hot we're, we're gonna win on that and but games when we're not we're gonna get out really early and so that was the thing is like there were games where we were getting out and we shouldn't have been getting out. We should have just been dodging easy dodges instead of going for stupid catches and then, you know, losing the game. So just over time, getting better and more aware of that play style, not just going for catches. Um, and then the other thing, um, I'd say, let's see. I guess um, just not closing. Uh, I think this this year, a couple of times, we had 3-1 leads on, like we had a 3-1 lead on impact. And we ended up letting that game loose and we, they beat us and made it into the finals. If we would have beat impact, we would have been in the finals, but we let them come back from a three, one deficit and they beat us. And then, you know, something like that happened the round before where we were up two one on the team and then we let them back in the game and they win. It's like, sometimes we take our foot off the gas a little bit too early. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah. I know that feeling just like, okay, we got them. We can take it easy. And all of a sudden it's just like, wait, what happened? How do we lose? Like should have exactly. just gone hundred percent the entire time and not, not even try to even think about letting, letting back or holding back. <clears throat> um, Alan Sambo Stott. Um, I don't want to say his middle name. Alan asks or says rather love your drive, love your passion. And then he asks, what is your motivate? What is motivating your body transformation? How do you keep yourself accountable? And what's the toughest thing about that? Um, I think that's also the question Dom had too. So it was about motivation. So it's pretty good. I could address that in here too. Um, so right now, I'm motivated based on um, me just, I literally for the last, you know, two, three years, I was focused on school. So I was trying to graduate from undergrad. Then once I got into the, my grad program, I was focused on, you know, doing all the work I needed to do and my job at the same time, my grad assistantship. I was all in on that. I wanted to make sure I got through school and I'm make sure I got through with like, so I was on the Dean's list. I made sure I got like A's in every class except for a couple. And that was just my drive right there. 
and I, I had to put Dodgeball on the back burner, but I didn't realize how much of a toll that took on my body because, you know, I went from being 235 when I first started playing or like 230-ish, and, you know, I was a muscular build. And then, like, all of a sudden, I was 270. You know, that's a big change. And, you know, I started in 2017 all the way to 2020 <laughs> to gain that much weight. It just – I could just feel it in the way I was moving. And when I was playing, I was getting tired way too fast. Um, and it's just crazy because, you know, in high school, I was an athlete. I was an all-conference athlete. And, you know, I barely had any body fat. And when I was 16, I was bench pressing like 360 pounds. I was squatting, Dang. you know, close to 400 pounds. Like I was an athlete. Like I wanted to play college football and my, my body was right. And so, and then I did insanity and like cut off a lot of weight. Um, and so I lost a lot of body fat. So for me to go from like that and being used to like that athletic body, you know, being able to like go play basketball every day and like, you know, go up and dunk the ball to now where it's like, I'm trying my hardest just to touch the rim with my fingertip and like, you know, getting tired, running half a mile, like when I was 270, I literally couldn't even run a quarter mile without stopping. It was like, I wanted to go home and just like, just lay in bed and stare at the ceiling. Like it was just, that was part of that post that you asked me about earlier. It's like, dang, I should accomplish more by now. And I'm like, bro, I'm letting myself go. So um, I really wanted to turn it around and like, you know, go back in time a little bit and make my body like a lot more like how it used to be. And I want to see, you know, I've never played dodgeball under 230. And so I want to see what it's like if I can get under like 230, like when I was in like a little bit post high school, like 205, 215, like what a difference it'll make being like more fit, being more in shape, being less heavy um, and seeing like how that changes my game. Because when I looked at the USA team, everyone on the team is in shape. You know, there's no people carrying like extra weight on them. Everyone's in really good shape. Nate Kreider, um, you know, Cedro, um, Ketchum, Mike McGee, you know, Eli all down the line, Glenn, all of them are in really good shape and they don't have unnecessary weight on them. And you see the direction that the team looks like they want to go is like, they're trying to get smaller, more elusive players that can also pack a punch. And so if I need to make that team, I need to change myself, my play style, but I also need to change my body so I can be able to do the stuff I need to do to um, be more like what they're looking for, you know? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point because um, I mean, you look at, I want to say like championship teams back in the day, um, they look different than what they look now. And I feel like we're going to look back, you know, two, three years from now and be like, man, those USA guys were in shape, but look at the guys now. It's just going to get, um, that much more competitive with them. And, exactly. uh, phone being what it is, as we talked about earlier, you, you got to be agile, nimble, but also pack a punch. So, um, yep. That's pretty solid, and glad so, you caught that with uh, Don. By the way, I, I completely spaced that one. That yeah, last part. And then I was gonna say, um, you said how do I keep myself accountable? Um, honestly, I tried to make my program, or it's not really a program; it's just my program. It's what I'm doing. I tried to make it as sustainable as possible. Um, so I build in like cheat days. I'm not trying to go like a whole year without eating like a single piece of meat or something crazy <laughs> like that. Like I'm trying to make it something that I can do that's realistic but that's helping me. So making slight changes um, and just making sure that like um, I do build in some cheat days. So like I'll eat more than I do normally, or I'll eat a burger or something, or, you know, I'm, I'm able to do that without feeling bad about myself so that I can keep going. Cause once you start feeling like, Oh man, I messed up, like you might stop. So I'm trying to make it so like, it's not about me messing up or something like that. Like if I take like a day off, that's fine. I just get right back into it the next day and I'll be fine. So um, the hardest thing is just not like is sticking to that program because I've been doing some fasting 
So making sure I stay on that intermittent fasting plan and then making sure that I'm not just eating like crap because I love food and that's probably driven why I gained so much weight is just because I'm a food head. I love food. I love trying different food. Um, and that's just how it's always, always been. So just toning it down with not eating as much and eating better. Man, I wish you didn't mention food. I was like, oh man, I want food right now. <laughs> Post made something really bad and heavy for me. But um, is that the toughest thing, or is there like yeah, food for me is the food. toughest thing, man. <clears throat> I like we said about like how you you're not trying to go like eating without meat for a year. You're not doing something drastic like trying to cut weight in 30 days. You're you're giving yourself room to mess up, but not so much room that it's you fall off the wagon, so to speak. It's it's easy to just keep going. Um, that's that's pretty much uh, the key for most people that are trying to do like a a true transformation. It's not a you know ninety day thing. It's this is you're just making incremental changes because you're exactly. you're, you're transforming your lifestyle. Not you're not trying to you know make well it, it doesn't matter at this point. But like summer beach body season, this exactly. is just gonna be perpetual. <clears throat> you mentioned insanity, and I, and I can't help myself. Um, what's your favorite insanity workout? If you recall. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Favorite, favorite, favorite. It's not plyometric cardio circuit. Um, I was wondering if you're going to say that one. It's not that. It's not pure cardio. Pure cardio is awful. Um, so I'm going to just go down the line and just say cardio power and resistance probably would be my favorite one. Huh. <laughs> I, I, my first one was, uh, plyo, um, and I think because that was my first one, that's just been honed in as my favorite. And then the... Uh, oh, no. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. He's like basketball jumps. I'm like, oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll dance with the devil occasionally is what I call it. Um, <laughs> I, I did Insanity a couple years ago. I was like, oh, this is awful. Um, everything hurts. Like stuff that doesn't even make sense hurts. But um, it's good to throw that in there every now and again. And uh, Shanti, man, that guy is... <laughs> insane that's a rabbit hole i'll i'll, I'll leave off <laughs> yeah he's he's insane though um i would what i like i can't help myself okay well, real quick what i like about the insanity videos you have these like greek gods that are doing these exercises and you see them getting winded so you're like okay i'm not just the only miserable guy that's on the floor right now yeah. drowning my that's the like, biggest part this is hard. it's like i'm like if i stop i'm not doing good enough and then i'm like no stopping is good because you get your heart rate back down and then you got to jump back into it so like you got to really teach yourself that like stopping is okay. Like it's helping. <laughs> yeah. You're not trying to kill yourself uh, through a workout. Um, yeah. I, I got, oh man, I got Shanti stuck in my head now. Um, Shanti, I have so many, I know like every cast member's name of insanity. I've done it so much now <laughs> since like when I was in college and stuff like that, bro. Yeah. Like it's so bad. I cannot do insanity for like two years and I get back on. I'll be like, what's up, Shanita? What's up, Tanya? You know, what's up, Josh? Ariel. What's up, Chris? Yeah. Ariel, bruh, Rachel, all down the line. And like, and I didn't do it for years. I'm just like, yep, I still remember their names. That's yeah. bad. Yeah. I, see, I wasn't going to do this, but you made me say like, hey, don't have your legs too wide. Don't have Josh. your legs too wide. <laughs> Josh. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're getting weird. Nobody knows what we're talking They're about. Like, what are they? Yeah. yeah this, is a, this is a dark, dangerous area. Um, <laughs> Hey, I'm glad yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you know that reference though because I say it sometimes and I'm like nobody knows what I'm talking about oh man I'll, I'll cuss them out when I'm doing it and I'll also be like Josh just like super out loud just because <laughs> just trying to get through it man like even you know years after the fact it's still hard but uh it's fun um talk about a good like workout program that you can do at home um if you want to get better at dodgeball and feel 
that you know almost translation to the core i feel like uh insanity is a pretty good way to go um exactly not speaking as a professional by any means but that's just it's worked for me yeah i agree so i think that pretty much wraps it up for the uh crowdsource questions so guys thank you so much for submitting those um that was, i feel like that's probably the best part of the interviews um getting getting people involved but i do want to go into some of the like the i i call these like the tougher questions uh just save them for the end um one question I want to ask you, let's pretend COVID never happened. Um, is there anything that you do not like about the current state of dodgeball? Um, and it's, it's the sport as a whole. Um, I always like to hear people's input on that. Um, I guess it's just like a transformational period because, you know, that whole team, our USA dodgeball has kind of like changed like the whole atmosphere. So, you know, it went from me coming in and playing elite until I was used to elite, and now it's going to be USA Dodgeball. But we just didn't get to see how that functioned. So it's just like the change right now and not knowing, like, what's to come is, like, uh, the biggest thing right now. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's, they said they were going to do, like, four tournaments, and then they were supposed to introduce, like, cloth and foam and stuff into the tournaments, um, which just sounds really cool. It's just going to be different. So um, I wouldn't say I don't like it. It's just that unknown and it's going to be, it's just going to be different. So it's not what we're used to. That's um, the big thing. And then like, I guess, um, I don't, I guess that's it. Like, I don't really know anything right now that is nothing about it because it's COVID. It's just a weird time right now. So we just don't know. (laughs) I feel like that's probably what, what gets me the most is like, for me, just seeing the transition from the rise of NDL to elite taking over everything to seeing it develop to seeing premiere. I was pretty excited to see what the changes were going to be because, um, it gave Mark the opportunity to just focus back on the best of the best elite people, but it also, um, gave premiere a chance to grow teams as well. And it's just like, dang it. We didn't even get to see what that looks like. We have to wait, hopefully no more than next year for this to happen. So, um, but I mean, with changes, always growing pains. I'm sure there probably would have been some, some hangups. I know a lot of people were upset about the dates being, um, withheld for so long, but, um, I mean, imagine you give them like a year, it'd be, it'd be a well-oiled machine. And, um, in another universe, we're talking about it right now, but unfortunately that just hasn't been the case. Um, what about, um, let's see. I don't want this one to be a downer. So I don't want to end on a down note, but, um, so you talked about your your constant fear of dodgeball not being there for you after high school, after college. Um, do you know what life looks like after dodgeball? I I'm not there yet. I actually haven't really <laughs> thought about it. So I plan on playing for you know you until know, you can't pro- until I can't anymore. So I actually haven't considered that yet. So uh, I don't know what that looks like. Uh, I guess I haven't even known anybody who's, you know, past that point yet either. Cause all my friends are like my age and none of them really stopped yet. Maybe a couple of us. So I really don't, uh, I'm not looking forward to it either. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a dark day and I don't know why I like this question. I feel like it just kind of gives me comfort, uh, getting ideas you know, of like, you know, for me, honestly, um, I actually think, um, I'm going to try to like, um, see what I can to push the sport forward. You know, hopefully, you know, it is going strong at that point. Point. So seeing what I can do since I won't be on the court, seeing what I can do off the court to help um, the organization grow and 
um, you know, maybe recruitment and stuff like that, of seeing where I can help in that aspect. So I do think uh, after I'm done playing, I hope to be a part of something that's going to help it grow past my point, you know, hopefully further down the line. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Like maybe like a coach or as you're saying, somebody exactly. to help with recruiting or just, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be hard to step away from. Um, even at my age, it's just like, uh, I don't know what to do. Um, I'd like to be around it at some point. So if there's coaches, maybe they can be an assistant coach or team manager. Um, yep. Yeah, it's just one of those things, man. It, once it gets you, it's it's going to hold on for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of talked about what you want to achieve in dodgeball. Um, did we cover what your career highlight would be? Kind of want to go back a little bit. No, I guess no. We just talked about the double catch, but I don't know what the career highlight would be right now. Um, TBD. I guess you know one of the career highlights would just be like the fact that those you know double catches that I've made have been like you know something cool that people have you know I guess put next to me like when they think of like Chris or Clutch Chris or whatever I'm known as um, they're like oh yeah he made those cool double catches so. I guess it's kind of cool in a way, but at the same time, like sometimes it's kind of like not annoying, but just like people are like, Oh yeah, that's Chris. He's a catcher. And it's like, no, I'm a lot. I'm, I'm more than a catcher. Like I'm definitely a two way player. Like I, I, I can go on the offense and like take out teams by my, you know, with my arm, but also like I can rely on my catching sometimes. So like it, it like it's put me in people's heads as like a catcher when that's not what I am. So it's a cool thing because people know me by it, but at the same time, like, it's labeled me as something that I wouldn't call myself, you know? Right. Yeah. You don't want to be like typecast, I guess, as a catcher. Cause there's so much more you're capable of doing. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and last question, what is your, uh, favorite dodgeball memory to date? So <clears throat> this could be on or off the court and whatever comes to mind. Okay. Okay, so, I mean, it's going to be an NCDA memory. Um, so my favorite memory is, um, you know, helping Stevenson University get our first win. Um, so we got close pl- a couple of times with an undermanned team, but there was one tournament where we were able to get, you know, because we had a couple guys that were, like, on the baseball team. So during baseball season, they couldn't play. Or during track season, one of our other guys couldn't play. Um, it was always something like that where, like, somebody couldn't make it. But we had a couple tournaments, like one semester, where we were able to pull the whole team together for like a couple tournaments, and we were able to like pull off some crazy wins. So you know, we ended up, you know, beating University of Virginia, or we beat um, University of Maryland. Um, we almost beat VCU. Um, it was like a really close game, um, and then we had Towson. We were up like two points on them with like a couple minutes left, and they had to pull off this crazy comeback to beat us. But it was still crazy being able to you know, pull an undermanned team and being able to like finally get that full team together for a tournament or two. And we actually like were competing and like taking out teams that were considered, you know, top tier or good teams in the NCDA. So those would be my favorite dodgeball memories. Nice. Very cool, man. Well, hopefully there's, there's many more to come and, you know, COVID being what it is, we'll, we'll be back to playing dodgeball, um, I guess next year or sooner rather than later. And, uh, we'll just see what, what you're capable of doing and, um, yeah, there'll, there'll just be more. And I think, uh, what I'll do is let me pull up the, uh, the Austin Deech joke that I actually got in advance. Um, so thank you, Austin, for doing that. Let me just find it real quick. <clears throat> this is actually cool because we're both on video so we can see the reaction. 
All right. Um, okay, so try not to botch this, but I probably will. So Clint Eastwood opened a preschool. It's called Go Ahead and Make My Dare Care Center. Say it again. Yeah, I botched it. Dang it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Clint Eastwood opened a preschool. It's called Go Ahead and Make My Day Care Center. I don't know. Clint Eastwood fan at all? or No, I'm not. Uh, womp womp. Okay. Uh, he says, all right, punk, uh, go ahead and make my day. So that's probably for uh, the older guys. I, I I guess I get the reference then now that you explained it. <laughs> Fair enough. He did say he also offered a supplementary one. It's a, a dad joke, but he says, uh, what are the four worst words you can hear on a golf course? It's still your turn. <laughs> I'll take the heat on that one. That was my bad on the delivery. But uh, anyway. No, I got that one. Though. <laughs> that one That one I get. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Uh, uh, I only like golf if you're drinking beer and playing on the golf carts. The rest is just kind of whatever. Um, well, cool, man. Well, I think that's all I have. I mean, yeah. um, it's been a quick two hours. Um glad I got the chance to talk to you one-on-one. Um, definitely appreciate you coming on in the past. And um, yeah, what I think we'll do, man, is just go ahead and end the interview there. All right, so that was my interview with uh, Chris DeJesus. And Chris, thank you so much, man, for, for being willing to come on again. Um, I really do like um, some of the panel discussions that we've had in the past, but I also I think I like more the opportunity to actually get to know somebody more and more. And uh, as I said earlier with the... Um, the West Coast bias. Anytime I get a chance to reach out to somebody that's outside of the the West and you can just sit down with them and talk to Oddball and the hours fly by, just goes to show like how much we have in common and some of the parallels I really love to get into. Um, just seeing, uh, for example, you know, beginning in the church and um, seeing how we were both introduced to Team Awesome. You were introduced via television, which I think is awesome. I don't think I fanboyed that enough. And me just having seen them um, through a steady state or steady stream of tournaments. But um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Um, considering it went two hours, I don't think I'll take up much more of your time. So if you're still with me, thank you so much for doing so. Thank you so much for uh, submitting your questions. And uh, yeah, have a great rest of your evening, a great rest of your week, a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>